Hello, everybody. It's the Feminine Critique. We are back after, not a hiatus, but a longer break than we usually take. It was kind of long. It was kind of long. Well, you know, we had stuff in between. Mm -hmm. You went to another continent. And, I did. And tried to kidnap James McAvoy. How'd that go? Did not work. Did not work. Did not work. I don't know how in-depth you would want me to go on how badly it didn't work. But well, you're, you're speaking it, to me not from, presumably, um... Uh, like, like, from you weren't an, caught in London and thrown in the Tower of London. No, no, I wasn't jailed at any time. Yeah, so that's a good thing, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, <laughs> but I guess that should kind of lead us in. Um, we let us explain what we're going to talk about today. Uh, inspired by something you did involving James McAvoy, <laughs> which could go so many ways. What did you do involving James McAvoy recently? Oh, my mind went to very dark places. Uh, dark in what way? Um, yeah, no, I went to um, I went I went to London. Um, I was there for like six days. I met up with some awesome people, but I also went to see a production of Macbeth, starring James McAvoy as the titular character. Now, when you were in the theater, did you say, "Hey, I'm in a production of Macbeth," or did you say, "Hey, I'm at a production of the Scottish play"? I said Macbeth. Did people give you dirty looks? No. Okay. Did, no. Did, did I ever tell you my story involving this? No, I wish you would, though. I, I feel like now's the only time it's appropriate. I feel like I must, um, in order to preface this episode. So, yeah, so because Christine saw Macbeth, we are going to cover two Macbeth adaptations, the Roman mm -hmm. Polanski film from 1971 and Scotland, PA, from 2001. So we'll get to that. Oh, you knew the dates. Um, I, was, I was curious about um, Scotland, PA, because I, I remembered when it came out, and I was trying to remember, like, why I would remember it. Um, so let me explain my um, experience with the Macbeth Scottish play issue. For those of you who don't know, uh, Macbeth has always has long been a rumored cursed production uh, play of Shakespeare, and that like when they first performed it, the, one of the actors died, and every time they perform it, there's accidents that happen, and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. One of because theater people now, Christine, you haven't had to de deal with theater people too much, have you? Um, I was in drama club in high school, but okay. it was all very casual. Okay, good. Because um, they get worse. Like, as you go to college, they get really bad. Yeah. Um, and so when I was a freshman in college, I was taking an acting class. Um, and I, like, the year before, I had I'd taken an acting class in high school. And, like, we had to do Shakespearean monologue. So I did a Lady Macbeth monologue. Mm -hmm. uh, so then, you know, a year later, I'm a freshman in college. And we get, like, there's a play to audition for, and it's the big school play. So I go to audition, and they say to bring a monologue, preferably Shakespearean. And I'm like, I know one of those. I know a Lady Macbeth monologue. So I walk in. It's, it's The auditions are in the stage. I walk into the stage. I say, hi, my name's Emily Travia. I'm a freshman, and I will be doing, uh, you know, act four, scene two um, from Macbeth. And I go into my thing. Now, the next day, uh, callbacks are announced, and I am not called back. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it happens. Uh, and in my actual acting class, the professor says, you know, okay, I want everybody who auditioned for Macbeth to stay after class. I want to talk to you guys. Um, they're like, okay. 
you know, we all stay. And he's like, all right, I got some, some feedback from, from uh, the director. And, you know, she was really impressed with everybody for, you know, for being freshmen. And, you know, sorry, none of you got called back. But, you know, uh, good work. Emily. I'm like, oh. Which is you. Yeah, that's me. Hey. Um, and I'm thinking, like, at first I'm like, oh, I'm like, maybe she's got really good feedback for me or something. He's like, you do not ever do what you did yesterday at your audition. And I'm just in there. I'm like, what did I? This is horrifying. And I know, I know what's going to happen I'm because I put two and two together. Like five other freshmen. Like we're all nervous. Like I've, I'm already didn't get called yeah. back. What more? This is horrifying. And, and, and I'm thinking, I'm like, because I, I had no idea what he could possibly be talking about. He's like, and I, and I, he's, and like, he's like waiting for me to, to like be like, oh, I'm sorry I did that. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what I did. He's like, when you, now, mind you, acting class in this college um, was this, I, I eventually went to Fordham University and graduated from there, but my freshman year, I went upstate at a college called Hamilton College. Um, so the space was, it was like an, uh, a very small school, so the acting class was held in, there was a dorm building where the top floor was a dance studio, so that's where the acting class was held in. It was technically in a dorm. Um, and, and he says to me, he's like, you do not ever say the name of the Scottish play in a theater. Ugh. And I'm sitting there and I still don't get it. And I, and I kind of am, you know, making a face. I'm like, oh, oh, you mean Macbeth? And he like raises his finger up. He's like, no, 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 no. What did I just say? I'm like, uh, you, Macbeth? <laughs> and he's like, no, you do not ever say the, that word in a theater. It is bad luck. Any theater professional will tell you it is very unprofessional to do. And I'm still, I'm like, no, seriously? I'm like, you're yelling at me for saying Macbeth? He's like, and he was like getting angry. Every time I said it, he was getting angry. I'm like, but we're not in the theater right now. We're in the top floor of a student dorm. But sure enough, it was like this horrifying, don't you ever do that. Um, and it made me hate theater people so much. As it seems already. like but such a, a strange little superstition. Mm-hmm. And that was the last thing I ever auditioned for, I'll have you know. Well, they, they did it. You could have been... You know, tearing it up on Broadway. Uh, you know, the world missed out on that, Christine. They I, did, and we can. I'm personally sad. On the man whose name I forgot, who taught freshman acting <laughs> at Hamilton College in upstate oh. New York. <laughs> Send all your death threats to him, addressed to the man, <laughs> the man who, who used to teach acting. Maybe he still does. I do not know. <laughs> get a get a really big envelope or write really small. Yes, which whichever one works more comfortably for your writing style. Uh, now, so tell me about Macbeth. Did you enjoy the production? Yes. I, um, every, well, not everyone was Scottish. <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we'll get, okay. we'll get to that later again, I think. But everyone, I mean, most of the actors were Scottish and the ones that weren't, you know, did the accent. Mm-hmm. Um, McAvoy was, oh, fucking amazing. He was amazing. Um, Lady Macbeth, who's the woman whose name I cannot think of right now, and I should have looked it up. She was outstanding. Most of the now, cast was she, was she around McAvoy's age? Yeah, it, it okay. was a very, it was a very young cast. Because okay. um, that is something that um, I think we'll talk a lot about with the Polanski film is yeah. the kind of you know those characters are open to cast whoever you want. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, it was always cast older, um, but I mean, McAvoy is obviously you know in his thirties, so it's a you know an interesting choice. Yeah, everybody, everybody was youngish. Um, mm-hmm. It was good. It was very minimalist. Okay. Was it set 
uh, period or? No. I think I told you when I was in New York, they were going for like a post-apocalyptic right. thing. And I wasn't sure how much that would carry through. It did. It was very like stark and mm. very, you know, there were axes and ripped clothing and like lots of liquid um, it was good and it was interesting. There were just a few actors that when they got going, I found I was like looking around mm, and bored. like other people were doing it too. So it wasn't just my intense jet lag. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of brought it down a little bit for me, but overall I was very impressed and yeah, it made me appreciate it even more. Wonderful. Yes. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about those movies shortly. We're going to talk about some movies that we've seen shortly. But first, let's talk about something that I appreciate a lot, Paris Cinema <laughs> Magazine. Oh my gosh, thanks so much. Nice segue. Um, I just wanted to say that if you're listening to this, you probably know that I um, produce and distribute a film magazine along with my partner in crime, Dylan. Um, we've been doing it for six years-ish. Um, this next issue is issue 20. Um, I know as you might assume it is not easy. Um, it is not profitable and it is a labor of love in the most literal sense. Um, I love doing it. I can't imagine my life not doing it. Um, but we really need support and (laughs) we really need people who like to read things about movies to support us. And if you've ever thought of picking up a magazine, if you've ever considered checking it out, I implore you to do so. I'm not just saying it because I edit and read every single piece that comes through, but it is very intelligent. We work with some of the best writers out there. Um, And please read. If you like to watch movies, please read about movies because it gives you a deeper appreciation, just like listening to podcasts about movies, reading what people have to say about them. Also adds to that and it would mean a lot personally but also um you'd be doing yourself a favor because it's really good i would agree there's pretty pictures no less yes the design is gorgeous the design um, is gorgeous anybody like okay i subscribe to fangoria magazine there mostly because there are I, I it is still an easy source to learn about new stuff mm-hmm. in um and occasionally they have some good interviews and like just going through it the last issue it boggles me how, like, and I mean, not to insult Van Fangoria, because it is an institution that's been around for many years. And, it and is. again, I subscribe to it. I, I buy it regularly, and I look forward to reading it. But there are many issues I have with both the design of it, um, the layout of it, and just some of the writing in it. And I just think to myself, world, know that, like, there are a lot of magazines out there, and know that there's one that's probably better than all of them that you might not have read. And it's Kristen <laughs> Magazine. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Um, it's, I echo everything Christine says. You really should, you would be doing yourself a favor by getting yourself a copy. Um, I mean, like, can you tell us what's in the next issue? Like any, like. Um, in this one that's not out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's still, it's still coming together, but um, right now it looks like there's going to be an article about um, the shining in relation to that um, room two three seven that just came out, um, what else? It's still in flux. Um, look, there's most likely going to be an article article about Eyes Wide Shut. So we're kind of doing a little Kubrick thing, a little bit, a little bit. Um, 
yeah, I'm waiting for some more stuff to come in. But um, there's an article about killer cars, which I thought of you immediately. Because <laughs> <laughs> that seems right up your alley. See, we try to keep it as varied as possible. Um, yeah, other than that, it's pretty much in flux right now. We try to tailor each one so that the content is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going to be in 20 as opposed to 21. But this past issue, the Kill Bill cover, um, is maybe one of my most favorite to date. It's just such varied, amazing content. There's an article about necrophilia in films. Yeah. There's two articles about Kill Bill looking at different um, character themes. So, yeah. and and there's you have such a variety in there. Like it's when we talk about like genre film, it's <clears throat> like I feel like for a lot of the kind of movie talking community, genre film just used to mean horror. Yes. Um, and still, that is primarily what you get in the blogging world, um, and even the magazine world. You know, there aren't many magazines that are about like a range of movies, like westerns and everything else. Primarily, there it's Entertainment Weekly or it's Fangoria, um, and you guys do such a variety of like actual quote-unquote genre film that, you know, you guys talk about comedies, you talk about vengeance films, talk about horror. It's, it's a wonderful collection of things. Thanks. Yeah, um, where can they go to get themselves a copy? Uh, they can go to paracinema.net. You heard it right here, folks. <laughs> All right. And, and, and a lot of the back issues are just ready to sell out. So, I mean, again, if you ever considered it, mm-hmm. now is a good a time as any. Get your copies. One day they'll be worth money. Say, some people sell them on eBay, man. And some people actually buy them. So. <laughs> Do they make profits? Should you just instantly no. sell them on eBay and get more money? <laughs> no, they, they, they don't make they Is don't that make. a viable business plan? Yeah, I just put it on the on the website and then immediately have them sold out and then sell them all on eBay. Yeah. It's... Uh, we're going to have to look in. We're going to crunch the numbers. Exactly. I think, you, I think you broke the case wide open right there. there. Yeah. Well, speaking of, shall we talk about uh, movies we've been watching? Sure. Um, okay, well, I'll go first this time. Yeah, go first because I don't have the page up for some reason. Okay. I thought I did. Um, first of all, fuck you and Erica for making me watch Pretty Little Liars. Um, because it's the best show you've Why ever seen in your life. Why can't I stop? <laughs> because it's amazing. It's like, it, and it's very convenient, too, because it's a lot of times it'll be my commute watch. Also like, good. And even remember, okay, like two weeks ago during the Netflix purge when like Netflix was getting rid of like 2,000 titles. Mm-hmm. And so I had bumped up like all these movies in my queue. I'm like, okay, let me watch this one today. And I tried watching three of them on my iPhone on the way to work. And every one of the ones that were like, it, all the ones were expiring, but they still had like three days, but they were all expiring soon. And none of them would play. I kept getting a message saying this movie is not available on Instant Watch. And then I would go to Pretty Little Liars and it would play fine. Yup. So it was like the universe was like, no, no, Emily, you are going to learn what Spencer Hastings' secret is. Oh, I love Spencer. Spencer's my favorite. <laughs> is Spencer your favorite? I think so, yeah. Oh, I, think I, I, like, I think in terms of, like, actors, I think Hannah is actually, like, the, I think she's really funny and really likable. And I think she's probably my favorite actor of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Spencer's totally my favorite because she's, like, the alpha A-type. and She really is. She's so good. Like, when they had to reschedule the SATs, like, she was really angry. And I just find her amusing. Where are you in it? Are you um, still in season on one? Sixteen, season one. Yeah, awesome. One. I know. It's, it's like, ugh, God, it's not See, awesome, but, but it is. I can't isn't it, it? But isn't it like irony and like guilty pleasure aside? Isn't it kind of good? Yeah. It's, okay. It's the way it loops you in, and like, even for some storylines that you just keep like 
every beat of the story you can see it coming like oh, all the Arya um uh, oh. Ezra stuff like every single time I'm like okay now she's gonna get jealous oh now yeah. they're gonna think that they were caught but they weren't and so on but at the same time it's like the way it kind of just loops you over is really fun so good yeah um <laughs> I was describing it earlier to Brandon. I'm like, think of it as Nancy Drew uh, meets a Claire's boutique store. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my description of it. Um, so yeah, I've been watching a lot for the little liars. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other night we watched uh, murder on the Orient express, Ooh. Uh, which I'd never seen, but I had just read the book. So I was excited to see it. What a wonderful adaptation. I've never read the book. Oh, you would enjoy it. Because yeah. you like Agatha Christie, right? Oh, I do. Then you would love it. I mean, the book is... I still kind of preferred And Then There Were None just because it's... The, the best murder. ever. Because yeah. it's the best ever. Um, but Murder on the Orient Express is... Because the mystery and how it's solved is just, again, like, there's so much to it. And the movie is so... It's one of those movies um, where, in, like, you had a lot of these in the 70s, where you could have, like, Sean Connery and Ingrid Bergman and Vanessa Redgrave all having, like, minor roles in a movie. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it's an ensemble piece, and then Albert Finney is the detective, and he's fantastic in it. He's just hilarious. Um, but you have Anthony Perkins in the movie. Um, oh, God, who else is in there? It is such a good cast that it's painful. Uh, Michael York, Jacqueline Bizet, <sighs> Bizet. Is, do you say her name Bizet or Bizet? I say Bizet. I guess Bizet. Have yeah. I been saying it wrong? No, now I'm suddenly wondering if, if the whole world <laughs> has been, because I think the whole world is Bizet. But anyway, my point being, um, highly enjoyable and definitely worth uh, seeking out. Um, okay, so I finally did the, uh, finished up all of the Avengers. So <gasps> I watched Iron Man 2. And? Poop. I know, right? Oh my God. What a se- second time or- time. You know, Emily, really, second, third, fourth, fifth time around, it's a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit. Like, I was but, actively angry with it. because No, it's a, it's a real letdown in the face of the other ones. Mickey Rourke plays like a crazy Russian, and they waste him. Um, Sam Rockwell Sam wasted. Rock- well, he is the best thing in it, without, without question. Also, but he totally wasted. Totally wasted. Um, like, the fact, like, I kind of dozed at one point, uh, <laughs> which happens a lot with these movies, but still, like, the whole middle section. So by the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, so what's changed? Nothing, really, if you think about it. Like, okay, there's a storyline with Tony Stark's health being a problem, and mm-hmm. then there's a Russian guy who could maybe put everybody in danger, yeah. but not really. And then there's a fight at the end that I'm so bored by now that I don't care. No, that, that fight at the end is too long. Uh, the whole movie is too long. The whole mo- That movie is really long. You feel that movie's long yeah. quite and a bit. So, and it was just like more of my issues with like, oh, like sometimes superhero movies really bug me. And my issues, well, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to my issues because they're perfectly, um, I'll get there. Um, so then I watched Captain America. And? I enjoyed. Ugh, Emily. Really? We need to have an intervention. Why, well, Here's, here's what I enjoyed about it. I enjoyed... Um, um, I, I f- if I don't hear the most important thing you enjoyed about it, I will disown you, but please, come on. Oh, no, it's awkward, because I, no, I don't know what, what the most important thing, and I don't want to be oh, yes. by you. Emily, have you ever met me? Of course you know. Is it the creepy Chris Klein, no, Chris Evans, as, ah! as, as, as like, the squirmy, creepy <laughs> little thing? Because that was scary. No, I was no. made very uncomfortable by Chris... I Evan, I, well, my God, now I keep saying Chris Klein. I'll get, I'll, that's a whole different story. That's a different um, movie, friend. Yes, I know. But, but Chris Evans, in Evans. the beginning, when he's, like, supposed to be, like, all short and scrawny, and they digitally yeah. imposed his head on somebody else's body, it's really unsettling. I didn't like it that. really is. I found it really unsettling. Um, 
I liked in it. Here's what I. Here's why I liked it. Two two primary primary reasons. I was not bored the way I was in Iron Man. I felt the movie like didn't feel. I didn't feel like it wasted any time. And the other thing that I really liked about it was one of my biggest issues with superhero movies, aside from their length, is that I feel like the weight of what actually they're protecting us from is never really felt. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, typically, like, this is what I was saying about, um, oh, which one? Incredible Hulk was every time, like, there was a battle, I didn't know if anybody died. And so it was very hard to know, like, what the stakes were. With Captain America, it's really violent. It was surprisingly violent to me. And, I mean, you see people die. And because it's, it's essentially a war movie, it's set during wartime, it's the deaths mean something and you expect them and they're not brushed away. Um, so I really appreciated that for the film. Things I didn't like about it, um, I really like Chris Evans and I thought he was just wasted. After the first, after he becomes Captain America, he has no conflict whatsoever. No. Which he doesn't I, do anything no, except look yeah. amazing. He, well, I mean, and he does look amazing. Thank you. Um, That's all I wanted to hear you say. And just appreciate that like, fine, fine man. He's a fine, fine man. <laughs> there was something I was trying to figure out because I'm like, okay, on the other hand, to play devil's advocate, I am also very tired of the Spider-Mans and the Iron-Mans where it's, you know, all this inner conflict about I'm a superhero, but oh, but am I really a hero? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm kind of t- I'm kind of over that. So maybe, okay, Captain America, he doesn't have time. He's just trying to fight the Nazi uh, demon lord things. Um, but still, like, for that second hour, after, like, the kind of USO stuff, which I also found amusing, it's just... No, I like the USO really- stuff, too. That's, yeah, I mean, that was genuinely cute. funny, too. Um, and I liked Hugo Weaving. Whenever you need a, like, faceless villain, just call Hugo, Hugo Weaving because he'll do it well. He'll, do, he'll show up and he'll, he'll be like, he'll, yep. And he'll be, yeah, I got this. Um, my- with my weird eyebrows, I can <laughs> nail this shit. <laughs> but at the same time, like, there was just, he was completely lost for that whole second hour. Yep. But I don't know. I liked it more. Um, it was, it might have been my second favorite after of of the what second favorite after what the first iron man no well yeah i keep saying that but the truth is like i didn't i don't remember i just know everybody says iron man's really good and i watched it but i don't remember that much about it because i don't think i need that much attention you need to look at it again wait have you seen thor yet yes i like thor so wait thor you i know we talked about this when i was you you like captain america better than thor i liked hulk more than thor I want to throw myself at a wall right now. I can't believe you just said that to me. <laughs> I'm just, do I need to pause and like have you? No, no, no. Like okay. In all fairness, because remember they were released in rapid succession, mm-hmm. like um, Captain America and Thor. And the first time I saw Cap- um, Thor in the theater, I was like, no, that's not really my thing. I didn't really like it. But upon having watched it in the double digits now, I will say that, it's way better than I gave it credit for. So maybe maybe you need to watch it 11 more times and then get back. My Netflix queue is almost full again. How am I going to find the time to watch Thor, which is also two hours? How do I find the time? <laughs> once you hear... We both watch Pretty Little Liars and there are a lot of episodes. <laughs> once you hear my movie list, you'll be like, sweetheart, that's how you find the time. <laughs> I see. Um, so let me get on to the, the main reason I watched Captain America and <gasps> all this was so that I could finally watch the Avengers. Ah, this so, is the best podcast know, I've ever been on. So the best thing was on Saturday, which like, this is like when, when you've hit a really good point in your relationship, which is when your boyfriend says, Hey, do you want to do a Joss Whedon day? 
Because we just got up to Buffy for Angel 1. Oh, so, you started integrating. Yes, well, did I tell that you? is a very special moment. Okay, he's in the other room. The door closed. Did I tell you about his spreadsheets? No, okay. but the, oh, can't you just go on Wikipedia and won't they just tell you? Well, because what we did, because we really wanted to make sure that we were going to watch them like on the right date, because based on the air dates, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure where the crossovers come. So, exactly. so Brandon's spreadsheets where they all like coincide. Ugh, and season, the first season's easy because it's just Buffy, Angel, Buffy, Angel the whole time. But mm-hmm. then it gets complicated as you continue. Absolutely. Um, so we watch, yeah, um, you know, uh, uh, The Freshman and City of, and then The <laughs> Avengers. And what did you think? Okay, so, w- like, w- I would say if you were to take the um, <clears throat> quality of all of the films... Uh, if you're trying to measure it, if you add them all together, you're still only halfway at how good the Avengers was. Damn fucking straight, um, man. Um, so good, right? Yeah, just, I mean, pure fun from beginning to end. Never bored. Uh, and here's the thing. And it's ridiculously long. I, oh, completely. But it never felt like it was overlong. There was nothing mm-hmm. that needed to be cut. Could you cut yeah. things? Probably. But did you need to? No. Um, and here's the main thing. It solved, I think, three. Let me count again. It's... Um, I'm trying to remember because I have very specific issues with superhero movies. One of which is, I've already talked about the length. Um, it's not that the movies are long. It's that they all often feel overstuffed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or not overstuffed, stretched out, rather. It feels like they decided they had to make Captain America two hours, so it's a two-hour movie. When it didn't have to be two hours. I Avengers, can agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah, Avengers is, what, 240? And it, it earns it. it. It had to be 240. Um problem too I often have with superhero movies is women most of the time a woman in a superhero movie is just kind of you know she's there even when it's like oh there's a strong female scientist or a strong female military assistant like in Captain America which I never quite understood but that's a side note Um, but they're still always blatantly treated as women and the Avengers, you don't have that at all. You have two very strong female characters. I'm so glad you you said yeah. two because Maria Hill is awesome. Yeah, you, um, that's how I met your mother. Yes. Woman? Okay. Yes. Yeah, she's just one of the officers, and the fact that she's a woman, never question. The fact that Scarlet, that Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's a widow, is a woman, never a thing. Like it's it's not like they're sexless. It's just that they are never treated differently. They're never portrayed differently. Like. Their gender, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's something I would expect of Joss Whedon from the man who created Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, who understands, you know, women and men and shows them as they are. So that made me very happy. And then my other issue always is the whole weight of things and um, just the entire, like, okay, so are people dying? Okay, so is they just blew up a city? Does anybody care about that? And the Avengers also, like, it it kind of think, it doesn't focus on, like, the, you know, regular citizens, but we see them, we, we understand, like, how they are in the mix. Um, at the end, you know, there's that whole thing where we hear the citizens talking about the Avengers, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, yes, that's right, because <coughs> the Avengers are fighting for human beings. That's right. Um, and it had the best end cap of any movie ever. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Oh, God, I laughed. Now, here's my question for you. Did you watch any of the deleted scenes? No. I, I, think, am, I We got the Netflix disc, so I don't think it had them. Okay. I implore you to seek them out. Okay. And I will tell you why. Please do. 
they deleted so much Captain America stuff. You will watch. You will watch it, and you will be like, "Holy shit! This is the character. This is more characterization than in that entire fucking Captain America movie." Because in that movie, he doesn't get any characterization. Do. Yeah. Ex- he's but, you know, oh, I, I want to be a hero. Oh, now I'm a hero. Okay, bye. Yeah, and like, oh, Bucky. Oh, wait, there's Bucky. Like, oh, uh, no. Um, but, but unfortunately, some really amazing stuff was cut out. And among it was just his awesomeness and dealing with being, you know, in the future and like feeling out of sorts and stuff. I feel like it's I read so somewhere good. that some of that might get used in the Captain America sequel. That would be cool. Which is kind I like of funny. That. Like as that was really good like you walk into the project and they're like, oh by the way, your movie's half done. It, it's good shit though, so I don't I wouldn't you know I wouldn't fault them for using it. Um okay so that was my superheroes. Then a couple of other movies I watched. I didn't talk about the thirteenth floor, did I? No, I think so. Okay. That was before uh, 13th Floor, it was on Instant Watch, um, uh, 1997, 99, somewhere around there. Uh, Craig Bierko, who, if you squint and mute it, it's kind of like watching Clive Owen, but not. No. Uh, that, it's, it's a sci-fi virtual reality movie, because remember, yeah, it's the right. and virtual reality was a thing. Um, interesting idea, interesting ideas within the movie but if you've seen dark city or the matrix and kind of combine them you've seen better movies i guess uh a little disappointing to me uh, i watched it's a mad 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 um or in its serbian title Ludi 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 Svet. <laughs> i prefer that we, we have the poster hanging up in serbian so i can i can speak serbian for it's a mad 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 world uh, had you, have you ever seen it? No. It's very funny. Uh, comedy from 1960-something with everybody who was famous at the time in it. Uh, it's, if you've seen Rat <laughs> They're Race, my favorite. Kind of yes, seen, I've, uh, I've seen Rat Race. Well, Rat Race is essentially a homage to this movie. Yeah, same idea. I, think I, knew, I think I knew that. It's, it's pretty funny and pretty enjoyable. Very long, but it's a comedy that just enjoys itself. So um, it's, I'd recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, one of my, uh, this one I messed up on. I got a Netflix disc for Fitzcarraldo, the Werner Herzog mm-hmm. film, and had the disc for probably about two weeks, and it, it's a really long movie, so I kept not being able to watch it, and then I think I had to return it so that I could get another movie for something or another, so it was like, gra- crap, I have <laughs> to watch it today, so I kind of crammed through it and, like, turned it on and, like, very quickly d- watched it while doing other things. So I did not give the film its uh, its due, but um, I don't know. It's Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski, and it's in the Amazon, so it's all like good and stuff, I guess. <laughs> if you actually watch it, um, I did watch a documentary, Glow: The Story of the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Ooh, I've seen that too. I really liked oh. it. Did you like it? Yeah, I was so excited because it was on. My mom actually texted me. She's like, "On Logo tonight is is the Glow documentary." Because my mother remembers when I was a kid, I was a big Glow fan. Hmm? Did you watch it as a kid? I did not, but I, I knew of it in my young adulthood. Because to me, Glow was like the most awesome thing because my brothers were watching WWF. And then on the weekends, it's like, whoa, girl power, Glow. I didn't quite get that it wasn't aimed at me as a kid. No, um, but that's yeah. not a hand nor there. But uh, the documentary, it's, it's a good documentary. And if, <laughs> if you have any interest in the subject, it is definitely worth seeking out. Um, you know, just kind of a fascinating organization born from many different motives 
um, with a lot of really interesting characters and they, you know, it's, it's a good time capsule, certainly of the 80s. I watched um, a movie I had already seen um, more than once, Dreamgirls. <laughs> I've never seen Dreamgirls. I, I love Dreamgirls. Um, it's a musical. and That's about right. Well, Brandon had never seen it, and I, I'm like, I think you're going to like it. And, and he did, because it's a, a really good musical. Um, and even for people out there that are instantly like, oh, I'm not going to listen right now because I don't like musicals. It's, the music primarily is very Motown-based. Mm-hmm. I did know that. Yeah, I mean, it starts with kind of early 60s Motown style. And then, like, the movie itself, like, as it goes, like, the movie spans probably about 10, 15 years. So then you get disco in there. You get, like, soul music. You get, like, a lot of different sounds. Um, Eddie Murphy, who gets, you know, a lot of kind of bad press for other things. And when this movie came out, he... This was, like, right during the, like, Spice Girl pregnancy thing. Mm-hmm. And when he went to the Oscars and, like, kind of everybody thought he was a jerk. But he is amazing in the movie. He's he's essentially playing, like, a James Brown uh, version of a character. And, I mean, he's incredible. All the singing's incredible. Beyonce's, like, very well used in the film. Because she essentially plays, like, the pretty one who's sort of molded into Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's perfect because she's kind of blank as that character should be. Jamie Foxx is good because he's playing a smarmy agent, which is exactly what Jamie Foxx should play. Um, and really good singing, really good dancing. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, I will speed through. I only have a few more. Go uh, for it, another one on Netflix Instant Purging was a movie called Mom. <laughs> uh huh. 1991. It's a werewolf comedy. About All a right. man whose mom gets bitten by Brian James, and so she becomes a werewolf. Okie dokie. Um, it's a horror comedy, but it's not funny and it's not scary, so it's just kind of not good. Uh, so don't don't waste your time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched a movie upon your recommendation. <gasps> what? It will be a little movie with a ridiculously good cast that included Toby Jones and Elizabeth Olsen and Killian Murphy and oh my god why did you do it because didn't you say i should watch it i think i yeah but i didn't like it we want to watch it i said it's not good yeah but christine when somebody says it's not good that's it's basically like saying to you that it's amazing basically saying add it to your queue now it's not like oh ironically this was amazing but it's really not good intrigued by the cast not to watch it the cast was tight but what did you think of the movie um i didn't hate it uh i think it's it's very much misadvertised. It, it you you kind of think that you're gonna get a horror movie or at least like a thriller, and mm-hmm. it's really not at all. It's kind of a mystery thriller drama. Um, <laughs> My favorite genre. <laughs> I was really disturbed and distracted by the idea of Killian Murphy having babies with Elizabeth Olsen. Why? Because they'd be just like so beautiful. They'd look like aliens. They would look like aliens. Yeah. And the fact is, like, they kind of look alike, the two of them. They both, like, and it's really hard to look like either of them. They're both really it's, weird-looking people. It's like bone structures, right? Is they that what you're getting at? Cheekbones and yeah. the gigantic eyes and the really, like, big heads on tiny bodies. So they're babies. Oh, God, I'm just trying to picture a baby coming out of... Like aliens. I, like, you know, when I say aliens, I mean, like... Like back in the day, gray aliens with big style black, aliens. yeah, like the but classic yes, alien. It would be horrifying. Um, but the movie itself, well, I was really confused because I was trying to figure out. Wait, they're teaching like 
they're teaching anti-paranormal investigation at a university, and then Toby Jones is teaching paranormal investigation at a university. That really confused me. Yeah, like, it seems like kids were majoring in being psychics <laughs> or disproving psychics, and that was really bothersome to me. It's a very specialized school, <laughs> right? Like Hogwarts for adults. <laughs> um, I don't know. It wasn't good, but I didn't hate it. I thought eh, it's got some interesting ideas going on there. It's it's too slow. It it, it had a lot of problems. Yeah, I didn't like it really. Um, hmm. But I, there were, I didn't hate it, I guess. All right. It was different, which I appreciated. Uh, and then the last movie I will talk about, possibly the worst movie. Um, say of all time. No, I mean, <laughs> that's hard. That's really hard to say. But I'm going to go on a limb and say it was the worst movie to be released in the theaters. Um, maybe. Ever. In the, well. <laughs> I, I'm I sorry, I'll stop it's, Oh, you can distract me. I'm just trying to figure out if this movie was worse than Hulk. It was worse than Hulk, I think. But um, really You have to tell me what it is now. Um, okay, let me give you this, this cast. Uh, right shortly after his brilliant stint in Godzilla, uh, Jean Reno. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got guest appearances from such luminary musicians as Pink and Slipknot. We have um, supermodel turned actress turned uh, ex-wife of How Do You Divorce This Man, Rebecca Romjan Stamos. I have no, is, is this got, a real thing? I'm supposed to survive every movie, LL Cool J. Rollerball. And then we've got the forehead that is Chris Klein. Rollerball. I love Rollerball. I saw it in the theater. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you ask for your money back? No, I thought it was fun. It is awful. But aren't you so bummed when LL Cool J really dies? Because we not supposed to die. We've been told Halloween H two O Deep Blue Sea told us he doesn't even die in the rollerball rink. He dies on a like on a bike accident. Trying to get out of whatever country they're in, Central Asia, because that's the only country they refer to it as the whole film. He's like trying to cross the border, and he does. And then they're like, "Ha ha, shoot him!" And they shoot him. And then you think he's gonna come back. But he doesn't. Cool J, he's always supposed to. Yeah. This movie was that, so bad. This is why you have Chris Klein on the brain, I think. Well, like, oh, obviously. I, I still can't believe he ever got put in stuff. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about women's vaginas. I mean in movies. <laughs> he is... Uh, he might be the worst actor to ever... This time I'm, I'm using a superlative and I'm going with it. <laughs> I think Chris Klein is the worst actor to ever headline a big budget film. Really? I don't. He I think ta- I think in modern times Taylor Lautner's worse. See, I haven't seen any of his like. I told you, yet. you. I'll send you. I'll send you a list. <laughs> okay. Because I have maybe, or maybe I should just stop watching with, them. With Taylor Lautner, is it that Taylor Lautner, Taylor, whatever, same thing? Um, is it that he is boring or that he is like just bad? Because Chris Klein is bad. <clears throat> like there is nothing. I mean, a he has no charisma and is insanely unlikable but he also can't deliver a line what else has Chris Klein been in keep talking I'm Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li well, yeah, American, American Pie movies and the yeah, only good thing those. he ever did was election and he got really lucky with that part because essentially he was like kind of not playing himself because I know he's yeah. a dick um, but he was just playing a very simple role that was written really well uh, but I mean he I do. I could not get over how terrible he was in this movie. 
I mean, the movie itself is awful. It's directed by John McTiernan, who did Die Hard and Predator and is a good action director. You get the feeling that this movie went through more post-production woes than um, um, a movie that had a lot of post-production. When I go to his IMDb page, I'm scrolling I'm scrolling through, and the only thing that's highlighted on it is that I've clicked is Rollerball. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, like you looked there recently. At like Rollerball, yeah, I really like Rollerball. It's like the uh, it's set, and I'm not saying the original is a good. The original's not a good movie either, but it's not this movie. Um, okay, a line in the movie. Is like after he has sex with Rebecca Romjan Stamos, who has like a tiny scratch over her eye, and that's like her scar. He's like, you know, your face isn't as bad as it looks, as you think it looks. Like, that, like that's his like smooth line. Um, the whole like mission of the bad guy, Jean Renault, is that he wants to get, and I quote, a North American cable deal. Like that's why he's like killing people to get a North American cable deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Naveen Andrews is in it. He doesn't have facial hair, and I don't like him without facial hair. I'm sorry that you had such a bad experience with this. I didn't because I enjoyed it and I enjoyed writing about it and I enjoyed taking notes on it. But this was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's a good time. People ran. It's on Instant Watch. Maybe. Oh my God, is it? I have to go watch it. I got the disc. No, I I don't know. I saw it in the theater. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I thought this movie was like I was kind of aghast at how bad it was. Yeah, it was shockingly terrible to get such a wide release. Yeah. Like cuz I mean nothing makes sense in the movie. There nope. was like you don't understand the sport, you don't understand the politics of like And for wrestling fans, Shane McMahon is in it. Well, that's the thing. Like it's that is the only good thing about it. And Paul Heyman um is also like he's like the announcer in the movie. Yeah. And the thing is, the movie could have been really good or interesting at least if it played up the wrestling connection a little more. Because that's kind of the idea of what they're doing. It's like, it's sports entertainment where it's a sport, but it's kind of fixed. And it's like more violent just for the sake of entertainment. Like, it's a totally, you totally could have made it an analogy of pro wrestling. But the movie isn't smart enough to do that. Like, there's just so many missed opportunities. I don't understand the politics at all, but yet they make such a big deal of it. But yet they don't mean anything. And I don't even know what country it takes place in because all they say is Central Asia. And then a character's like, I'm not going to die in this country. And I'm like, what country? Central Asia? Uh, so, I don't know. But now I want everybody to watch it because I really want to know um, what the masses think. I'll rewatch it. Please do. And then talk about it next time. I, I like will. right now when you're going to tell me what you've been watching. Okay. I am just segue queen today. Let me just preface by saying, since London, I have read three novels. Um, I have been rewatching Doctor Who. Um, I've been watching Hannibal, which is amazing, and everybody needs to watch it. I am, I am watch, shocked by that. Everybody needs to watch all the episodes before tomorrow and then watch it when it actually airs tomorrow because you won't hear me say this, but we need to keep this show on the air, people. Um, <laughs> it's doing fine. You'll be okay. And NBC no, it's, has- it's, it's not. They might not. They might not renew it. NBC has nothing else to give. I know. I don't fucking understand. But anyways, it's, it's super good. And, up on sticks and, trying to and force it you would love it. You would fucking go crazy for it. It's so good. Okay. I, 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 you would adore it. That's it. That's my, rec- that's my recommendation for this week. <laughs> <laughs> so that, also, I was in a foreign country, um, and I have been reading more. So that being said, um, I really didn't watch anything. But <laughs> on the plane... Except the door nine times. 
<laughs> that's it's been a while. It's almost time for a rewatch. Um, in the plane on the way to um, the UK, I watched Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, which I still haven't seen. I really liked it. Um, you remember how we were talking about how everybody was screaming about the tension in Argo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, way more tension in this movie. Very good. So um, I really liked it a lot, um, but I knew I would. That was that kind of thing. Jessica Chastain's hair, amazing. The oh, I, everything about Jessica Chastain is amazing. I really like her. I think I've seen every movie she's been in except The Help now, so. Oh, you should watch it. I'd be... No, you tried to give it to me. I don't want Why it. Why you take it? I don't want it in my house. I don't want to watch it. Uh. No, I don't want to watch it. She actually doesn't um, have um, red hair in that movie, though, so maybe... I fucked that then. So, when I got to London, the first thing I did, other than watch an episode of Hex, because streaming in London on Netflix is different. I mean, not just in London, but in the country. <laughs> streaming Netflix in a different country gives you different stuff. Do you do it stuff. on the left side of the monitor? No. Um, that's funny, that. No, so I was shocked to see that you could stream different things. Um, I don't know why. I guess I just thought my Netflix would know that I'm American mm-hmm. and, like, have an American account. Like, so it wouldn't let me... I don't know what I thought, but I clearly didn't expect... you were wrong! But it was crazy. The fucking different shit they can watch is nuts. Anyways, Hex, I like it. No one else does. Season 2, can't get it here, blah, blah, blah. I watched an episode of that. But... I then immediately watched X-Men First Class. Oh. <clears throat> Again. So let me see if you can see a theme here. Then the next day, I went to see Macbeth. <laughs> and then uh-huh. the next day, I went and saw Trance in the theater again. <laughs> what is the connecting thread of all of these things? I also watched two episodes of Top Gear. <laughs> that, that had One had um, James McAvoy in it and one had Michael Fassbender in it. But I met a friend whose common interests are basically that. <laughs> so that's why that was my entire that week. Like a thing like on online dating profiles now you can add that as like hobbies, James McAvoy. But no, if if on by online dating profiles you mean Tumblr, the website Tumblr, then yes. <laughs> I think it's the same thing, right? So yeah, um that's what I did in London, which I guess is good. Um <laughs> then on, on the flight back I watched The Hobbit. Oh, what did you think? Let me say this about that. I really like the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't yeah, I do. don't know anything about I've never read any books. I don't know that universe outside of mm, the movies. I've read the books and I still enjoy the movies. So. I like the movies a lot. So I'm all like, oh, Hobbit, let's do this. I really like Martin Freeman a lot. Um, and I was like, this is going to be super good. And like, I didn't like it at all. I don't know what happened. Um, Martin Freeman's super funny in it, and he's he's just got good delivery, but I was bored out of my mind. Huh. And, again, like, I don't usually take long flights, but I guess I didn't realize that everyone else would be watching movies, too. And, like, <laughs> and like the woman next to me was watching Cloud, <laughs> Cloud Atlas, and I was like, oh, I like this like, watching I kept, one over her shoulder. I kept watching, like, for, like, parts I liked in Cloud Atlas. Yeah. And then the guy, like, diagonal in front of me was watching Skyfall, and I was like, oh, I like this part so in Skyfall. And then two seats up, a guy was watching X Men First Class, and I was like, "Fuck, don't watch this in front of me, because I will watch it over your shoulder next to you." <laughs> I mean, I could have chosen to watch it. I thought that would be excessive, but I kept like my attention kept moving around. But I finished it. I just didn't like it. Did you see it? Um, no, I didn't. I felt because here's because I read the books and I read. I didn't. Re- I know. A lot of people have a lot of affection for the book of The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think I read The Hobbit after I read the Lord of the Rings book. So for me, it felt like I was reading something aimed at a younger audience after like reading the Lord of the Rings books, which are much more adult and not adult, but just more sophisticated, I guess. So I didn't have the affection for the book. And then I am one of those people that got really offended when I found out they were going to make three movies out of a book that was shorter than all of the other books mm-hmm. that were turned into one movie each. Um, I felt like I, let me say this. I felt like nothing happened in this movie. Mm. Kind of like I, Iron Man too, huh? Well, more worse than that. Yeah. See, I think, like, for whatever reason, I found it kind of, and it really, I, I, I'm on two sides of it. On one hand, I say, you know what? If, if I were a huge fan of these things, I would be like, hey, this is awesome. The, I loved the Lord of the Rings movies, and now Peter Jackson is like, I'm going to give you more of it because you loved it so much. And I'm, I could just give you one movie, but I love it so much that I'm going to give you three movies. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty cool thing if... I'm trying to think of like an equivalent if Joss Whedon was like, oh, what? You want more Buffy? I'm just going to give you more Buffy. I'd be like, wow, okay, cool. More Buffy. I know. It, but it, but, be, but not, be, yeah. not being a super yes, fan. As a casual fan, <laughs> I see that and I'm like, seriously? And it's in 3D? And so you're like, should I just sign my life savings over to you since <laughs> you're just going to milk me for the next three years for a movie that in no way can possibly have to be that long? Um, so it's kind of like, there's something about that to me that just feels so overindulgent. Um, but at the same time, I haven't seen it. I can't really judge it. I will probably never see it because I just can't imagine myself sitting down for two hours, 45 minutes and watching a movie that I have so little interest in. I could just watch Game of Thrones and read the books three times again. I was on a plane and I was like, I'm on a plane, man. That might be the only place I would watch it. Let's watch this. Um, so then my earbuds broke. And I had to buy earbuds, and they, it was like listening to movies through a tin can. So I said to myself, I am not going to watch anything I'm actually, like, super interested in seeing because I won't enjoy it. So I watched Prometheus again. Okay. And I liked it even more. Is this only your second time? This is my second time. I, like, I, I saw it in the theater, and that's been the last time I saw it, and I really liked it. I liked it more this time. Um, and then I watched The Muppets, which I liked the same amount, which was not much. Oh God, I don't understand you. The music I'm is just not good. The, wall. the music is not good. Everything it's just not. Everything. No, the music. No, the music is not good. Amy Adams' song is terrible. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about that part. It's just not. The music is not good. Um, and I stand by that. As, as a Muppets fan, I stand by that. Um, and then I came home from London, and I don't know what I did, but it wasn't watch movies, because the next movie I saw was Iron Man 3, <laughs> just, like, weeks later. Um, so I saw Iron Man 3, and it was super good. <clears throat> like, super wicked, good. wicked good. Like, just the goodest. Like, wicked so awesome, good. yo. Yeah. So good. And what, what they did, which was smart, which I would have been shocked if they didn't do, is it's like, hey, this is after the Avengers. Not like, hey, let's try to... Talk about what happened in that second movie. Oh, you know? Okay, okay. It I was like that. it was like, hey, you know, yeah. it was keeping in the 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 truly linear fashion right, of the film. Right. Makes sense. Okay. So I yeah, I am. I, um, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was funny, and yeah, people have their issues with it, and I kind of get it, I guess. But I, I've heard a lot of positive things about it <laughs> from people. I mean, it's not for me. It's not as good as the first Iron Man, but it's definitely better than the second one. So that's only an improvement. Um, I watched House at the End of the Street. Oh, okay. Which is currently streaming. Okay. Um, J-Law. 
I'm world, J-Law. Uh, and my dear, she is wonderful in this film, but she's as wonderful as this film will let her be. So. <laughs> that is what I've heard. This is, this is, if Rollerball is the worst movie, <laughs> oh, this boy. movie's like so bad. Oh, man. But I'm super glad I watched it because the end of this movie is Psycho. Okay. No, it's Psycho. The end of this movie is Psycho. The literal film Psycho oh, is the end of this oh, movie. This is exciting. Um, this is what I was talking to um, Fozzie about this, and he was he was like, he wanted to tell me the ending, and he's like, oh god, it was terrible. And he's like, are you gonna watch it? I'm like, you just said it was terrible. Of course I'm gonna watch it. No, it doesn't. But guess what? The, knowing that the end of the movie is Psycho, it doesn't give shit away because okay. it's completely it's completely un- unearned, and it means nothing to the rest of the story. All right, I dig it. I dig it. I'm there. It's basically like if somebody wanted to tell you like the most interesting story ever about like how they were eating gummy bears, and then at the end of the story, they were like, but my mom was crazy, or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? That is so my kind of movie. Like, what are you even, yeah, it made no sense. Oh, but it. for that reason alone, I'm glad I watched it, because I think it's very interesting when modern films, you know, PG-13 as well, aimed at a certain mm-hmm. audience, pull from these right, places. Older things. Okay. Yeah. And um, so that's that's it. That's me. I didn't watch shit. So all right, but but you you read, so that's a good thing. I did. I um got the third Hunger Games book, and I'm basically done with it. I enjoyed it a lot. Mm, so far, so yeah. good. All right, so why don't we take a little break now? What do now? As we said, we'll <clears> be covering um, Polanski's Macbeth uh, and Scotland PA. Which would you like to start with? Uh, um. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to have a lot less to say about one of them. So do you want us to do that one first? Or? Um, I feel like we should start with the... Um, uh, sure. Okay. Which is what? Scotland, PA? Yeah. Okay. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Scotland, PA. I reflect on my reflection And I ask myself the question What's the right direction to go? I don't know Am I a man? Or am I a Muppet? If I'm a Muppet I'm a very manly Muppet. Very manly Muppet. Am I a Muppet? Muppet. Or am I a man? Am I a man? If I'm a man, that makes me a Muppet of a man. A Muppet of a man. I look into these eyes and I don't recognize the one I see. It's time for me to decide Am I a man or am I a Muppet? Am I a Muppet? If I'm a Muppet, well I'm a very manly Muppet I'm a man that makes me a Muppet of a man. 
of a man. Here I go again. And we are back to discuss 2001 Scotland PA, directed and written by Billy Morissette. Billy Morissette. Yeah. Morissette. Right. Something sure. Like um, now, Scotland PA was uh, kind of an indie from 2001. Um, it, it was probably like a festival movie that got tossed around a bit. Um, it came out, I watched it for a college class where we were watching, we were reading books and watching movies. And we read Macbeth and then watched this. Um, so I had seen it kind of right when it came out. I know a lot of people didn't because it wasn't that well known. Um, but since I kind of picked this one, Christine, you know what that means. Um, that I should synopse it? Yeah. Synopse it? You should synopse it. <laughs> you sure? You sure you want me to? Um, okay, so basically this movie takes place in the 70s, which I didn't expect and actually took me a minute to realize. At first you're like, God, man, Pennsylvania, they're really behind it. I know, they are though. No, JK, JK. Um, so it takes place in the 70s and also, I don't know why I didn't realize this, but it's set, um, kind of in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't get at first. Um, and then there's these two characters, and I think one is named Joe, and the other one is Pat, and it's um, Lady Macbeth and Macbeth, and they kill the guy who owns the restaurant, and then they take over the restaurant, and then it becomes McDonald's. Well, Macbeth, <laughs> but basically McDonald's. And, and then um, Christopher Walken is there. That that is a good summary. I don't know. It's Macbeth, but yeah. not really. But it's, kind it's of in Macbeth a restaurant set in the fast food world of the nineteen seventies. Okay, that's way more succinct than what I just said. <laughs> minus the dead kids. Yeah, um, there's a lot of minuses in this movie. That's all I'm gonna say. Ooh, <laughs> showing her hand. Um, so we've got well, Macbeth, Mr. Macbeth or Mac is played by James. Legro, Legro, Legros, um, who I like to refer to as that guy. I don't know that guy. Yes, Let me look at him. Did you no. look at him on IMDb? No, I'm looking at him right now. I've seen him in every single thing ever made. <clears throat> I doubt that. Um, he apparently. Oh, wait, in that picture, he looks very familiar. <laughs> he um, replaced Brad Pitt in a movie. I think it was might have been Phantasm 2, actually. Where, like, they cast Brad Pitt and then we're like, Wait, yeah, he was in Phantasm 2? Yeah. He's in Phantasm 2. Well, then I've obviously seen him in that. He's in Point Break. He is in... He was on Ally McBeal for a year. Can I tell you I've never seen Point Break, though, so... Oh, wow. Okay. Future show. I know, right? James Agro is... He's an interesting actor, because on one hand, I, like, kind of wonder, I'm like, why has he never broken out, in a way? Uh, He's in Solar Babies? He's in Solar Babies. That was one of his his early things. Oh, he's in Near Near Dark? I didn't... I don't remember him in Near Dark. I don't don't recognize him. Big part in Near Dark. He's the goon, too, and batteries not included. Well, weren't we all? <laughs> I think, you know, I think Billy Morissette worked on batteries not included, didn't he? The, because the filmmaker, Billy Morissette, is, this is his only film. He acted a lot and has done a lot of acting, but I think this is his only writing, directing credit. Um, he, at the time, was married to Maura Tierney, who plays Pat or Lady Macbeth. Um, without question, to me, this is her movie. Yeah. She is so good. And so funny and sexy and just such a, a like, fully embracing this character. Um, I think one of the problems that can happen a lot with, with Macbeth is the character of Macbeth is a tricky one because he's sort of the least interesting thing 
in a play where you have a lot of cool things going on. You know, you've got witches, you've got prophecies, you've got murder, and then you've got a dude who's kind of like, yeah, I guess I want to be king. My wife wants me to be. And Lady mm-hmm. Macbeth has, like, all this really cool shit to do in the beginning, and then she kind of goes away for a while. So I feel like Macbeth is always that role that, like, is kind of the, um... It's, in a way, it's not considered, like, the great Shakespearean role in the same way that, like, King Lear or Hamlet is. Mm-hmm. Um, because, <clears throat> I think, of the nature of the play. I feel like James Legro is perfect for that part, then, because he is kind of the, like... He's really good at blending and not necessarily being the most interesting thing on screen. I can agree with that. Yeah. So I actually really appreciate him in this. And this is, I think, the second time, or maybe it might be the third time I've watched this. And I've, I mean, I've always thought this is more Tyranny's film and that she's amazing in it. Um, but I think I appreciated him in this a lot, this go around. I think he does kind of nail the kind of um, <clears throat> lazy, doofy, you know, they live in a small town. They work in a fast food restaurant. Um, they're not at the beginning overly ambitious or, you know, ex- expecting much from life or trying to get much from life. And if anything, him even less so than, than his wife. Um, and then, you know, a couple of events sort of fall into their lap and start happening in a way that makes them successful business owners. But he still is always kind of like the, the doof a bit. Did you recognize yeah. the kid who plays Malcolm? I don't know. Um, uh, uh, great, great podcasting, yeah, everybody. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so, his name's Tom. I don't know. Let me look. Geary. I From don't know. Movie. Okay, I'll let you figure it out. The Sandlot. The Sandlot. It was the it was Smalls from the Sandlot. Oh my gosh! Oh, no, I didn't recognize him at all. And kind of springy looking. He's oh my gosh! Crazy. He's a year. He's old. He's a year um younger than I mean a year older than us. He's not old. He was. I think he was on an SVU episode too. I think. Right? Um, good for him. I can't Probably. remember like the episode, but I remember it. I'm like, is that Smalls raping someone? Um. <laughs> Or maybe that wasn't SVU. Maybe that was something else. <laughs> just anyway. real lights. <laughs> um, so, yes, we basically, we've got the story of Macbeth. We've got um, Christopher Walken. Now, 2001, this was kind of the start of, hey, I've got a movie and I've got some extra money. Let me call Christopher Walken in and have him film a couple of scenes and be Christopher Walken and it will make my movie better. So, wait a second. Are you saying that you feel like Christopher Walken phoned this in? Here's the thing. On one hand, yes. On the other hand, I, I still, like, watching this movie, like, last week, kind of being over the Christopher Walken doing Christopher Walken thing, I was still laughing out loud at so many of his scenes. I, I feel like... When he says Baba Ganoush, it's funny. It is. I feel like if this whole... Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, he's Macduff, and Moira Tierney's you know, Lady Macbeth, but they're really like in the, in the play proper, they, those two characters don't like chill out as much as these two did. Right. You mean like together? Yeah. Like they're not hanging oh, out. Yeah. The no, they never... yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> so I think that threw me off a little bit. I was like, why are they hanging out so much? But it was awesome. It was my favorite part of this yeah. movie was well, their because, interaction. Because they're both really good. Yeah. Like more tyranny with everyone in this movie is great. Um, and yeah, like the scene, like where she's like kind of flirting with Christopher Walken because she's like starts to realize like oh he might suspect something, I can plant something in his head, and so she's just you know kind of flirty, kind of giggly, kind of you know like very carefully playing him. Mm-hmm. It's just great because it's it's two really good actors, 
having fun with a scene and just playing off each other really well. So what didn't work for you about? I feel like there's a lot that for you that didn't work about this. Um, I will say what did work for me. Okay. I actually liked the interpretation of of the witches, which I huh. guess their their billing is the hippies, um, which is Amy Smart, um, Andy Dick, and somebody I didn't recognize. Yep. Um, I actually liked that, but. I, I don't know. It's, this is, I, I think it's confusing to say. I liked it, but I felt like it wasn't done right. I don't know how. No, I agree. Because <clears throat> the scenes themselves were like kind of amusing, kind of funny. But at the same time, you can, like, the beauty of any Shakespeare is that it, a lot of it is up to you to interpret. Mm-hmm. So you can decide if Hamlet's mother helped kill, her, kill his father or not. That's really up to the actress and the director. With Macbeth, the kind of extent of like are the witches real this that like you can play with it a little bit with this version I have no idea where the witches like what the witches are in the context of the story I think I see I think I think that that I agree with what you're saying yeah because are they his imagination or are they just dirty hippies that are hanging out that are like, hey, dude, we call everybody Mac. We didn't know we were really right about that. And we have no idea. And not to bleed into this next movie too much. Pun but intended. Hey. Um, but I think that that is important mm-hmm. because, let me fumble through this a bit. Whether we know if they are real or rooted in some kind of reality, if they are literal witches, if they are apparitions, if they are spirits, if they are... That influences what they say to Macbeth quite a bit. Right. Because are, are, are they... Is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Right. Do they really know the future? Or is a seed being planted that then someone who's sort of unstable carries out anyways? Right. Would any of this have happened if Macbeth had not received that prophecy? Yes. And I feel like in this Polanski version that we will talk about, that is very clear. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it was here. I guess I liked the idea of like... I like yeah, I like the idea of it being stoners. And I liked... Which makes perfect I, sense because it's trippy. I liked... I actually liked Andy Dick and Amy Smart quite a bit. Like, I thought they were funny. Like, I mm. I liked it, but I didn't understand it. And then the second time that they showed up, I think it was the second time, um, when, like, the voices were changing and stuff, right, right. that confused me even more. Yeah. I was just like, I don't understand this whole thing. Yeah. Because the whole movie is very... It's almost like a farce, kind very of. Much. It's well, because you're taking this tragedy... And you're boiling it down to, you know, a fast food uh, empire. And some of it, like in the beginning, like in, you know, the original version, Macbeth or King Duncan executes the Thane of Cawdor. And that's how Macbeth gets its title. In this one, they catch the manager stealing and they get him fired. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there is a lot of, I mean, this is a satire. This is lightening up the material. But there still needs to be some kind of bounds to it so that we understand what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's smart because I don't, I guess I didn't expect that mm-hmm. tone because, I mean, how would you really do a modern Shakespeare, like this story, you know, with it's, it's very dramatic and there's like constantly deception and death mm-hmm. and, but how would you set that 
and be right. straight faced about it because it would be kind of ridiculous. I mean, you just you have to go all out like Plansky mm-hmm. does, or you find a way around. You know, you do something yeah. different, which is you know what they do here. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, I mean, it's. I'm trying to think of like some of the other plays that you compare it to. You know, Hamlet. You can set. You know, you can do an Ethan Hawke version because it's even though the story is grand, like. It's it's very well plotted, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Macbeth, like, no matter what you do, you're dealing with assassinations and witches. And so, like, you are, there are certain things that you have to deal with that are going to skew it. Either, okay, we're taking it really seriously, or we're just admitting that it's kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with that, yeah. So that, that's actually my biggest problem, I think, with the movie, is probably kind of the lack of... Um, explanation of what the prophecies are because i think that because there to me there's a lot of things about this movie that really work and i think the strongest thing is um well aside from the fact that this movie looks great for a 1970s set film mm-hmm. like i mean the art directions in every single house every single piece of furniture and item of clothing is 70s like there's and it not in like a, a kind of like flashy retro way like that to me just feels amazing like whoever designed the actual physical look of the film um but the relationship between mac and pat i think is really important in the beginning they are in love they are Mm -hmm. you know kind of a trailer like they live in a trailer park um they're very working class they don't seem to have much but they have each other damn it and they're you know they are devoted to each other and i kind of really like like just the sexiness of the two of them. Um, and I think that's something that also does come up in the other film is we talked about how like for so long, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth were played by like by people in their fifties or sixties. Mm-hmm. And there's something, um, and I think it's because this is a couple who do not have kids or at least in like, it's ne- their kids are never a part of it. Um, I think if you read, there are lines in the play that say something about motherhood, but there's never any acknowledgement that the Macbeths have children. And so, like, there's kind of that added, like, okay, so we have this couple, and it's almost like you've, you've taken away something that would make them really sympathetic. Like, if they were doing it for their family, you could kind of excuse a lot of things, but they're mm-hmm. not. They're just doing it for themselves. So I always feel like having them have that connection to each other is really important to make, to give you something to root for in them. And like, you know, they are in love and I like that. Yes. I, I, I felt like their relationship was, I had not seen it interpreted that way. Yeah. Um, so I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely did feel like it was really Lady Macbeth's story, and which I'm fine with. I prefer that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into it with the next movie, but I would say I like this lady, this quote-unquote Lady Macbeth mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she, a lot. She's my favorite she's, Lady Macbeth. She's, she's very manipulative, and I like when she's played that way. Yes, I agree. Um, because in this next movie, I don't feel like she was. Right. And it's also, it makes her fall much bigger. Because since she is so in control in the beginning, where she's saying, you know, we're going to kill him, this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to cover it up, this is who we're going to frame, all this stuff, 
it makes her an hour later, you know, going crazy, seeing blood on her hand where there's no blood. Um, it makes that that much more effective because mm-hmm. she has fallen from from somewhere. Whereas if she starts off weak and then she just goes crazy, it's, you know, the, the fall is less and it's not as interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now there's a lot of like, kind of like little comedy things thrown out here and there that I'm curious how you felt. Um, the brother, Donald, is a kind of a, a typical 1970s gay theater kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the jokes, like, even though, like, a lot of it, it's like, oh, he has a poster for Cabaret on his wall. There were other things he would do that, like, did kind of make me chuckle. Like, when he kind of, the way he delivers the line, I'm going to make fondue. That's <laughs> <laughs> really great. Um, I did like that a lot. I thought it was a nice, um, interesting touch. Another thing I liked was the the use of music. I don't know if you agree with that. Well, it's, it's a lot of, what is it? Is it um, not Bad Company? What's the name of the band? No, I think it is. Is it Bad Company? I think it's like mostly their stuff, too. I thought I thought it was. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That sounds right. Let's say but I was. just, I liked it. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I was going to Google sure. it, but then I got disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nah, never mind. She's agreeing with me. And I figured that's better. She's agreeing with me. I'll just shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think the music, it, you know, it established, I mean, I like the tone of this movie a lot. It's, mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. It's kind of like very, it's a laid back black comedy. All right. If that makes sense. I, yeah. Like it's, it's kind of slow. Like it kind of visually, if you were to turn this into a cartoon, I feel like it would kind of look like King of the Hill. All right, fair enough. In some ways, if, if, if you could go with me on that. Um, and so, like, even though it is, like, even, like, um, what's his name? What's the actor's name who plays Benko? Kevin Corgan? No, the dude. I don't know his name, but he's in everything. I'm to say Kevin Corgan. I might be No, wrong. you're right. You're right. Yes, score for me. Like, his, I, I like him a lot, too, as Benko. I mean, Benko's always an important character because it's basically the guy who is sort of, um, the thing that drives Macbeth crazy because <clears throat> he's Macbeth's friend and then Macbeth orders him killed and blah, 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 blah. Mm. Um, and kind of like him playing this kind of like dumb but good guy who's like really, like his performance to me is very much the tone of the movie. Yeah. If that makes sense. like it's No, it, it, it does completely. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. I, I like for, you know, kind of um, a gimmick of a film. I think that it manages to both, like, not oversell its gimmick, but to kind of give the gimmick and then, for the most part, back it up with solid content that, mm-hmm. you know, works for me, I think. And when in doubt, you have Christopher Walken saying Baba Ganoush. Yeah, he's, I, I thought he was super good in that. And he's just having fun. Like, he's smirking the whole film. And you feel like he's just, like, enjoying himself. And I dug into this. Um, and then there's the, the great moment where... Um, there's a, a dead body being wheeled out of uh, a barn, and there's like a bunch of kids that go and like play drums on the dead body. Did you catch that? No. Oh, I thought it, it made me chuckle. Well, I don't know. I, don't know. Like I did throw away I did watch this at eleven o'clock at night because mm. it's the only time I had. So that could <laughs> it was be the only right. time I had between watching James McAvoy movies over again. I was in a different country. It's like that thing. Like if you if you fuck somebody else in a different area code, like that's okay, right? Oh, are <laughs> are you trying to confess something here on live? No, 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 that? no. I'm just saying my version of that is if you watch the same movies over and over again in a different country, it doesn't count here. Uh, listeners, weigh in. <laughs> also, is Rollerball a bad film? 
It's you can answer this and by, question. And by bad, you mean amazing. When uh, did that movie come out? I haven't seen it since the theater, so I don't know. I just, rem- I just remember a lot about it. I think 2001. I think the same time as Colin P.A., actually. See? You have to admit Colin P.A. is way better than Rollerball. Well, I guess. I told you I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is, I guess, that we'll, we'll do a poll on the Facebook page. Which, which <laughs> uh, I'll set that up right now. Okay. Well, this movie has more tyranny with really bad roots that look great in a way. Like, I love like, her, her costuming and kind of her, because, um, you know, she starts off, again, kind of poor and then is getting rich but it's like new rich but new rich in the 70s yeah yeah it's awesome so it's awful and amazing and even like there's a great montage where they're kind of establishing how they're getting richer and like it cuts to them like you know in in a pool and like they're like on a like little raft in a pool but then like the camera pans out and you see it's like a tiny little above ground pool yeah so it's like that kind of <laughs> like that sort of economic uh like it, it's that's just something that you don't always see on film. And I really, really appreciated it. And I just like the care that was put into that. Um, and we get, uh, oh, and their house is very Brady Bunch. Yeah. Like it's totally I, the Brady Bunch house. Yeah, it, it is. It's, um, I did, I, I didn't really design that house. I don't think in my head I was like Brady Bunch house, but I was like really into how it, encapsulated right you know a certain style it would just really yeah um if i ever open up a tanning booth uh salon i am going to steal the name when a tan loves a woman (laughs) i wonder if that exists oh let's let's google okay and would you would you play that song all the time on loop without question. Well, like, I'm sure you can get a few different versions. Actually, getting a tan, yes. Um, it doesn't come up right away, so that's good. So, yeah. we can, we so can it's not a chain. It is not a chain. We can uh, copyright. Let's do it when we're done recording before I release this, so that nobody can hear it except for my cats, who are not very good at copyright law. We can get our patent on that and start our new business. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're gonna play when a tan loves a woman while people read Paris Cinema Magazine. I was gonna say, I it was it's always my dream to own a tanning salon. Um, and then perhaps my favorite uh, little point of this film is the very last person credited is um, credited in the film as Mick Streaker. Oh really? Because we get a streaker at the end, and they credit him as Mick Streaker. They did that. That's, that's kind of funny. Makes me chuckle. Um, so yeah, I mean, I enjoy the sense of humor of this film. It's um, I mean, it's a very particular style of humor. It, it, mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm going to stick with my description, laid back black comedy. Uh, I think knowing the, you know, the play of Macbeth certainly enhances it, but I don't know that you have to be like overly familiar with it to enjoy it. What would you think? Um, I agree with that. I think, okay, part of my problem, other than the fact that I was tired, was that I was looking so hard for act the frick for Macbeth stuff instead of just enjoying it for what it was, right. which I tend to do. I tend to do shit like that. Um, so I think I kind of ruined it for myself a little bit. 
Yeah, so you were kind of like over yeah. trying to analyze things. I was definitely. Like, All right, when am I going to meet Christopher Walken's kids and when are they going to die? But right. yeah, I want, I was trying to force that character into the role of, Macduff. you know, yeah. Macduff. Yeah. And it wasn't working, especially when the whole subplot with um, him and Moira Tierney really kicks in. Like, but then I was like, oh, I'm really into this, though. So I kind of I kind of stopped around there. Like, okay. I wasn't forcing it as much around there. But definitely at the beginning, I think I think. I would probably change a lot of what I had to say if I watched it again. And okay. just having, like, not going in with a certain expectation and not trying to force characters into certain little boxes that they were already in my head. I can you understand. Know? I feel like there there are, like, little tiny references here and there that I can't mm-hmm. remember now. But, like, you know, the... Um, uh, not the town... The town name, obviously, is Scotland, PA... Um, but there's like little like names of stores and stuff that are probably Shakespeare references, but like, I don't know that an English teacher would find this more enjoyable than like your average person that just kind of likes black comedies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, oh, the, the one really negative thing I'd say about this, did you get the movie from Netflix? Yes. Was it one of the worst looking DVDs you've ever watched? Yeah, absolutely. It, you couldn't you couldn't even do subtitles. Again, like I said, I watched it in the middle of the night. I didn't want it to be loud. Yeah, you can't do... There's, I, I love how 10.30, 11 o'clock's the middle of the night oh now. God, honey, honey, <laughs> I'm in bed by like 9.55. That's... You're wilder than me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but the... Yeah, I mean, the quality... Like, the visual quality is ridiculously bad. Like, it's mm-hmm. fuzzy. Like, it's actually fuzzy. Um, and that's really a shame because this is a really good-looking movie for its budget and for it not being like a visual movie. The art direction is so good, um, and yeah, it's it's strange how bad the quality of the actual DVD is. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a shame to me. It is a shame. I, I was kind of shocked, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it. So, uh, do you have anything else, or should we rate it? Um, we can rate it. Uh, would you like me to go first? Yeah, go first. Okay. Um, for quality of film, um, I enjoy it. It doesn't change my life, but um, I find it a really fun, enjoyable little indie. Uh, so I'm just going to go seven. All right. All right. Um, that's solid. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Um, you don't, you can, don't, no, 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 no. No, I'm, I, I'm not going to. No, let me think. All right, I'm going to go, okay, I'll go 6.5. Okay. Because I was going to go 6, but like I said, I think it's my expectation thing. Mm-hmm. Like I like I said, I've said this numerous times, I didn't expect it to be in the 70s. I didn't with the restaurant, even though the cover has a spatula on it. I, I think I spent so much of the beginning reconciling these things. Right, that it probably <laughs> affected your Absolutely, viewing. absolutely. Sure. Well, I so that. I will go with that then, 6.5. Yeah, my uh, in- quality of life. Um, again, I find it enjoyable. If it were on TV, I would I would have it on the background. Uh, so I'm gonna go seven point two five for my quality of life. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go six point five again. Fair enough. Um, again, that both of them would probably go up if I watched it again. And if this was something that came on instant watch, I probably would watch it again. Mm-hmm. And that's where it belongs too. I really was surprised it wasn't. Yeah, because it, it feels like such an instant watch movie where it's like one of those like little 
weird movies that you just kind of want other people to watch and mm-hmm. it just seems like it should be a recommend and like you might also like this so it's odd that it's not there but uh yeah so it's um it's a re- it's a solid recommendation from me and maybe a, a iffy recommendation from you no i would say it was if you don't really know anything about Macbeth, it's definitely watch it and if you do stop trying to make it be Macbeth <laughs> because you'll just no, fucking bum yourself Macbeth. out yeah, I just because you'll bum yourself out and you'll get stressed. I do that with everything. Sorry, it sounds hard I, to be here. I know I watch stuff so hard that I'm like, <laughs> I told you the first time I watched I just Beyond have an Image of you now, like with your TV on and you with your face pressed against, like, it, like rubbing back and forth and being ow. The first time I watched Beyond the Black Rainbow, I watched it so hard, like I was tired after. I had to watch it again it so I would concentrate. Less, <laughs> I know. You don't like that movie? I didn't care for it. I understand someone caring. I wanted to like it. I really did. It, I, everybody talked about it. I wanted. I, I approached that movie thinking like, this is cool. There's a storm going on outside. I'm home alone. My first movie of a new apartment. I'm excited for this. And I was like, uh, the movie's not ending. It's still going. And I can't stay awake because it's not interesting to me. No, I know. I I understand. I can understand that completely. I feel like that movie either works or it doesn't work. Yeah. And oh yeah, very much. It's it's a mood piece, if you will. Mhm. All right. So uh, those were our scores for Scotland, PA. We are going to take a little break and come back and talk about the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. Have returned to discuss Roman Polanski's 1971, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, now, you <laughs> kind of picked this one. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to synopsize Macbeth? <laughs> I suppose I should. Um, it's just like Scotland, PA, but with, with um, the actual uh, city of Scotland, country of Scotland, <laughs> in place of... Um, no, the city of, Scotland. the city of Scotland. PA. Uh, yeah, it's Macbeth. It's set medieval-ish times, and Macbeth is a noble military dude who is ascending through the ranks, and some witches are like, yo, Macbeth, you're going to be king. And so his wife is like, yeah, you're going to make yourself be king by killing the king. Yep. And he does, 
Um, and then bad things keep happening. Agreed. That is actually the Cliff's Notes version. Um, and if you are listening at home and you're thinking, I don't have to read the play, I can just write down what Emily said, you're absolutely right. I guarantee I'll get an A on your paper. Absolutely. I think, and, and t- correct me if I'm wrong, I, d- I have not read this since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did just see that one play I saw, and then I did watch this movie. So I am now an expert. But you're pretty much an expert. I will say that this, you could probably watch this and like really know what happened, right? <laughs> like it's like basic, it's pretty much. faithful, right? I would say, well, there are a few liberties taken. So let's address mm-hmm. them. Address the liberties, please, because I don't know if I know what they okay. are. They are, well, the thing about it, they're not liberties that technically changes anything. Mm-hmm. It's not that um, dialogue has changed. It's just that some things are shuffled. You have the character of, I think it's Ross, who is the guy who like actually crowns Macbeth and then later, spoiler alert, um, crowns Malcolm. Who's he's, the, he's the dude that, he's hang, is he hanging around with Banquo in that? He's hanging around with Banquo. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Um, like later, he's the one that lets the bad man into Lady Macduff's house. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like Macbeth's kind of henchman um, and he kind of constantly shifts allegiance. That character is in Macbeth, but is not that character at all. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, like, another kind of everyman in there. And what Polanski did was he kind of used this character kind of really smartly to kind of connect some things and to kind of give one more symbol of, like, ambition and, you know, like, just kind of how awful it makes you. Yeah. Um, so that's one difference. Um, I would say the other big one is the very last shot of the movie. Yes. I think is genius and we'll get there later <laughs> I, I was wait I, I was waiting to see what you were gonna gonna say oh, well uh, okay guys it's Macbeth so we've already talked like we're I, we can spoil everything right it's yeah it's Macbeth man um so let's talk about the ending let's let's start at the end okay start at the end man. I think that is the most brilliant thing about this film to me is the very end of the film now, earlier in the film, Macbeth goes to the witches and gets these prophecies and da 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 The very end of the film, Malcolm is crowned king. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Malcolm has a younger brother, Donald Bain, who is the one who made fondue in Scotland, PA. And that, that character has always, always bothered me in Macbeth because he's useless. Yes. In the play, like, he's there, and then he goes to Ireland, and he's never heard from again. And there's, I never understood why he was even in there, and I always figured it must have been, like, a historical thing that Shakespeare kept him in there for. Um... What they do brilliantly in this version is the very last scene, uh, after Malcolm is crowned king, we see Donald Bane basically going to see the witches. And so it gives you this circular, like, oh shit, gonna happen again. Yeah. I'm gonna be called king. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, just, I think that is just brilliant to me. Because it adds another layer also to this witch's mythos. Um, which I think was handled amazingly in this. Yeah, it is not. Macbeth is such an ordinary man. And I think that's so much shown here where he's like, he's not a great man by any means. He's kind of lucky. He's kind of talented at certain things. But he is not a hero or like the worst monster on screen because mm-hmm. other people are kind of just as bad. Um, and so the idea that like, Sure, these witches have a prophecy for him, but they also have a prophecy for the next guy. 
And just that idea that, yeah, you're going to cut off one head and then the next one's going to grow and it's just going to continue. I, I love that. And I think it's done so well and effectively here. But in terms yes. of like changes, those are, other than that, the only quote unquote changes are just kind of different decisions that Polanski makes that are, or were unconventional, like having a very young Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Mm-hmm. which I didn't realize was a thing that they weren't usually young. Yeah, I mean, most productions prior to this, if you look up, I, there's actually a wonderful BBC version that you can probably find somewhere with Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. Mm, yes, I know of this. I've not seen it. And, like, Lady Macbeth generally is always kind of portrayed as very kind of asexual. Um, you know, typically she is older, Mm-hmm. Um, some productions will have her older than Macbeth to kind of explain why she's sort of yeah. power over him. Yeah. And I just, I don't think that's necessary. I think that's a choice you can make. But I don't think it's needed. Um, so I think going for a younger Macbeth and Lady Macbeth makes, again, makes perfect sense. And now there's, we should talk about the background of this movie because you know who was a producer on it. Yeah, I did, I did <laughs> see that. Yeah, I, at first I was like, that one and I was gonna ask you because I know you usually look stuff up and I'll be like I'll remember to ask Emily she'll know and then it was like a Playboy production and I was like what yeah of all the things that Playboy was gonna put their money behind a you know um period set version of Macbeth not what you would have expected in the 70s but hey and what's interesting is like when this movie came out there was a lot of like oh, of course we get a naked, lady, a naked Lady Macbeth because it's a Playboy movie. It's not a Playboy movie. It doesn't feel like a Playboy movie. No. The nudity is not sexualized. Not at all. It makes perfect sense for Lady Macbeth when she's crazy to walk around naked. She's full on crazy by that point. Exactly. So. And like, she's walking around her house. I walk around my house naked. Emily. I'm just saying, like, if I were crazy <laughs> and a queen... Like, it's just the kind of thing that it, it makes perfect sense. And it's not exploitive. Um, and then you have witches later. And mm-hmm. with that, like, it's the same thing where people are like, oh, of course there's a naked orgy scene. Oh, it's not an orgy. Um, you have naked old women. Mm-hmm. You have, if we're talking about, like, a Playboy naked scene, it's the least sexy Playboy naked scene most people would expect. Mm-hmm. You were, again, if you were a teenage boy being like, oh, ooh, the Playboy Macbeth. Yeah. getting what you, what you paid for there, kid. You're going to be a little disappointed, I think. Yeah, because it's not even, there's not even any nudity until you're like, what, like an hour and change and maybe maybe more? Yeah, something like that. It's, yeah, it's... it's Close to two hours? Yeah, it's not... Yeah, I mean, and this is a, a fairly big budget film, um, filmed on location, I think, in England or Scotland, I don't think. How come nobody had an accent, Emily? Because if one person has an accent, then everybody has to have an accent. Well, then why didn't everybody? I mean, everybody knows that if you're doing Shakespeare, all you have to do is be British. Arg. That's the rule. I was hoping for that, like, sexy Scottish thing going on, but no. Yeah, because then you have to have everybody do sexy Scottish. Oh, and then we and then... understand a word in the movie. So you're telling me, I tweeted this, you're going to tell me that in 1971, there were no Scottish actors? None that would appear nude on film. <laughs> That's a bold statement, but I yeah. take it. Uh, now, tell me what yes. you think of the casting of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. 
I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, just like what you had said, uh, like in Scotland, PA, I felt like Macbeth was unremarkable enough to allow everybody else to do what they had to do. Um, He's got I think that's c- hair just like everyone else. Yep. I think that um, if you're gonna do this and everyone is gonna, it's gonna be an ensemble. I think that you can't have that good of a, like, not that good, but that like charismatic or exact of, of a Macbeth. Yeah, yeah, because he will steal everything and you won't care about anything else. Right. And you kind of have to. Yeah. Because in this version, my favorite character was Banquo. Yeah. I, and I was like, what? I don't give two shits about him, usually. <laughs> and I was like, I know what's good. He was awesome from the jump. Yeah. He was awesome. And I don't know how they did that. How did they do that? It's the same source material, but all of a sudden this character's, like, really interesting. Well, because if you think of, you know, because Macbeth is a, is a strange play because it's hard to, there's no protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, the play is called Macbeth, and Macbeth is your main character, but there is nothing sympathetic about him, and you're not meant to sympathize with him. You have Macduff, who is sometimes kind of portrayed heroically because really bad shit happens to him. Mm-hmm. And because he's kind of, um, you know, ultimately he's the guy that takes down the bad guy. But what I, that's another thing I really like about this Macduff is it, he's very unexceptional. Mm-hmm. Not, that, not a charming guy, not a great man by any means. And when he finally is fighting Macbeth, it's, there's nothing heroic or exciting about it. It's they're both in armor. They can both barely move. They're clumsy. It's not like a whoa, yeah, fist pumping fight. It's just like, are they gonna? Can they kill each other, or do they have to take their suits off first? Like, it just it goes on and it's ugly and it's messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's very unheroic and unromantic. So it kind of knocks Macduff out too, in a way. So yeah, I mean, I think Banco, because you see him with his son, um, which is another important thing, I think, about, especially this version of Macbeth. Again, we said the Macbeths do not have children. We do not mm-hmm. see them with kids. Um, you know, in this, we also, this one emphasizes a little more the whole Macbeth being told by the witches that his his children are not going to reign, but Banco's kids are going to reign. Mm-hmm. So you have Macbeth, like this, it's it's just this. The line ends here with me, and I'm not even that happy. Mm-hmm. Then you have Benko, who seems to be a loving dad. He's out with his son. They seem happy. His son's singing. Like yeah, it's it's he is like kind of the only likable person in the movie. He really he really is, and I think maybe it. I don't know for some reason in this in this version. I, I, if I guess if I watched it again and if I thought about it really hard, I might be able to tell you exactly why. But in this version. I really, really feel like the witches were just, like, throwing ideas out there. Mm. And that Macbeth just fucking ran with it. Right. Like, I really don't feel like anything was preordained. Right. I don't, I, I don't know why. In this version, I definitely felt like he created the reality that was planted. Like, he really did. And, and I liked that a lot. Because I was, I just kept thinking, like, dude, like, you... Like, you're fucking paranoid because these ladies said vague yeah. things to you. This movie, I think, really does amp up the paranoia. And I don't know what specifically, if it is the performance mm. or if it is maybe the sequence and maybe how some things are cut. But, yeah, it does feel like when he's like, I got to kill Benko and I got to kill this guy 
and I gotta kill this guy. Like, yeah, it's really like you're like, dude, you really don't have to. You're kind of shooting yourself in the foot here. Yeah, I I really got that that feeling quite a bit, and I think that's why I I enjoyed it so much because it like the witches were creepy and they were saying creepy shit and they were like naked and like the ground. Yep. So like, I guess maybe they were supernatural. And at the beginning they're burying like a hand and a noose. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty sweet scene. Like I get it, but I really, really thought like, 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 it, like Macbeth could have chosen to okay. go another route at I any time. I completely agree on this one. Yeah. Um, and something, maybe this is also a part of why it kind of, I think drives the, the madness a little more is Another choice that Polanski makes is most of the soliloquies are kind of narrated. <gasps> I know. I love that. Yeah. And well, it works so well because, I mean, obviously Shakespeare, like, it's a different style of, of, of theater. So every character just says stuff and then, you know, let's pretend nobody else is on stage and can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And in this version, you know, what he does is whenever it's essentially a soliloquy, it's just a character, you know, their mouth isn't moving. They're just thinking this through. And it, it makes perfect sense because that's really what they're doing. Like when they're when a character soliloquizes in a Shakespearean play, they're actually just thinking out loud, thinking in their heads. Um, but what's also so good about it is a it amps it, it amps it up because there's so much whispering, and there's that like it sounds crazier because it's in their head. Yeah. And then when a character actually says stuff out loud, like when we get to the big banquet where we see where Macbeth sees Banco's ghost. It's like, shit, dude, don't say that out loud. Remember, you can think these things. Yeah. So it makes it so much more effective because when he actually is saying, why is Banco sitting in my, sp- my spot and why did I kill him? I mean, ha ha ha. Um, but in more Shakespearean language than that, <laughs> it's so much more effective because it's not like he's walking around saying these things out loud. Like th- these, those were his thoughts and now he can't control them. And it shows that lack of control. It, it, I think it telegraphs that really well. I agree. Mm-hmm. I was, yes, all of those things. I enjoyed this a lot. Spoiler. Did you enjoy the music? <laughs> I did, actually, yeah. It's, um, the, it's kind of like Repulsion, where you get, like, like music, and then all of a sudden it gets, like, jazzy and crazy. Yeah. Except it was, like, more medieval. It was good. It was real good. It, I mean, and it, it looked, I mean, it looked nice, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the music, and... For me, the performances are really what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, and it wasn't hard to follow. No, yeah. I know that. So, I don't want to sound ignorant, but I mean, sometimes Shakespeare can be a little bit hard to follow. But it wasn't at all. And usually, I have to take those few beats to get used to the language, and I didn't. It was immediately like very clear. And I guess that is a credit to everyone involved. Well, I'll never forget in um when the uh, Zeffirelli Mel Gibson Hamlet came out. Uh, which was what, 92? I have no idea. It was somewhere around there. It was early 90s. And I remember my parents went to see it. And they came home and I'm like, oh my God, was the movie? And they were both like, the way they described it, they were like, I didn't know what was going on. And that somebody had opened up a candy bar and the entire theater, you could see everybody's head turn and give them a dirty look because nobody understood what was going on. And it's just that like realization that like, okay, if you're not used to certain, to Shakespeare and dialogue, for some people it can be baffling and really confusing. I think Macbeth has always been an easier play because there's so much action. 
Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I mean, it's a known story at this point, so it is always a little easier to follow. But I agree, I think the visuals, I think he sets things up so clearly from the get-go that, you know, I think it would be hard for this movie to really confuse you in the way that if you were doing Henry VIII, mm -hmm. it would be very tricky. And I found in the actual performance that I saw, I... Were, I kept losing characters and I kept confusing them sure. and not knowing who was who. But even in this, if somebody shows up, you know, an hour later in different clothes, I'm like, oh, that's that one guy that did that thing. Like, right, that's the I other least... guy with the Prince Valiant haircut. <laughs> and the other one, I have them all marked down, <laughs> one through twelve. That's a really um, good point because it. Is, I mean, it's a big cast. It's yeah. It's not a small, small group of people. And yeah. And I was able way. to keep everyone mm -hmm. clear and I wasn't able. And I thought maybe that was my, my problem because in what I had seen, a few people, one or two people, I would say played multiple roles, but they were tiny little roles. So that shouldn't have mattered. And they were clear, clear like, um, and I'll bring, I bring this up for a reason, but the, the dude, I guess he's credited as the porter mm. who, um, when people, when, um, they're knocking to the king's men are knocking to come in and in the morning after he's been killed right. he does the whole speech about alcohol oh yeah, yeah yeah okay so pause and remember that guy but then i'll tell you in the performance that i saw it was a woman okay and she was magnificent magnificent in that role and and i was like oh i hope this one dude's gonna nail it like she did right and um and he totally did but she also was one of the witches okay it's neither here nor there but you don't it didn't really matter because you could totally tell mm -hmm. like yeah but anyways that porter quote unquote do you know who that dude is no okay i didn't recognize a single fucking person in this movie Maybe not no. one not no. one except this guy okay he is the guy that brings Atreyu to the Sphinxes in the never-ending story. <laughs> he is your hero, in other words. He, I'm like, oh my god, that's the dude from the never-ending story. Yes, he brings Atreyu to the Sphinxes. Good call. Good that call. is who that is. <laughs> Everyone, you're welcome. Good work. Good work, Christine. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. I was so excited. I was like, it's him! <laughs> Now, how did you feel about, because I think the one of, we'll get to the bigger controversy shortly, um, but one of the controversies, not controversy, but big discussion points is um, the, uh, the casting of Lady Macbeth mm -hmm. and kind of her performance, which is, again, very different from your typical Lady Macbeth, who generally plays it very kind of powerful from the get-go and yes. lording over her husband. And this, Macbeth, this Lady Macbeth is very different. Um, I wished that she was crazier. Mm -hmm. I, again... In the beginning or at the end? It, all around. In the, in the thing that I went to see, Lady Macbeth was nuts from the jump. Like, gets the letter, fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I was like, yes, she's gonna be crazy <laughs> the entire... And she was so nuts. She was so nuts at the beginning that she could only get more nuts. And by the end, you were like, she is insane. How is this woman not passed out somewhere? Because, like, she is just so crazy. And I liked that. And even when I was in line at the stage door after, which we won't talk about, um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the women back there was like, I don't like how crazy she was from the jump. And I was uh -huh. like, no, but I like my Lady Macbeth's, like, batshit crazy. And this Lady Macbeth was not crazy mm -hmm. to me. But I mean, I, I see that I didn't. I didn't hate her perform. Her performance was very nuanced. Yeah, it, I mean, again, it was a different Lady Macbeth. Yes. 
Um, and I, I kind of, I think, you know, it was a, a certainly a deliberate choice on Polanski's part, and the, I mean the actress too, but really more, I think Polanski in, you know, casting. Okay, I'm gonna, you know, casting a, a younger actress, and she's gonna be, you know, kind of sweet and kind of, um, you know, seductive, and it. I think it does work, and I think it can work. In this film, I don't know. I, I think it would be... I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious if you could take this film and just kind of amp up her aggressiveness a little bit, how it would read. But I think the more I think about it, it kind of plays into what you were saying as far as this, like, they are so easily influenced by what these witches say. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of what I was saying earlier, of these are not great people. These are not exceptional people in any way they're just easily seduced by what they think they can do and then with that it kind of fits that she would be sort of just yeah okay let let us be king and queen and that he would be so easily kind of seduced into it because she's not that convincing yeah you know no she but the thing too is as i say this like oh i wish she was way crazier and i did like i couldn't wait to see her and then when she wasn't crazy i was like why the fuck isn't she crazy but by the end when she is it's like it's not like a off the hinges, like this lady's gonna like do some damage crazy. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you. Yeah, yeah. Like she's frail and you feel sympathy. And I, I mean, I, this is maybe the fifth Mac- Lady Macbeth I've seen with my eyes. And this is the only one I think I've ever felt bad for. Mm, yeah, you can see that. And I was like, oh, so poor. Yeah, and especially because at that moment too, like when we get to her end, the, the, because you, you get you know life is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying mm-hmm. nothing. You get that very nihilistic point of Macbeth where it's like, oh, what the hell? And I do think this movie kind of is is saying that. I think it's I think it is a very nihilistic movie that, um, you know, does not see a lot of good in the world or in life or in man. And so, but but yet her death is handled with a little more. Um, emotion than it could have been mm-hmm. you know because i mean in in the play you don't see lady Macbeth die you find out she's dead um whereas in this one like you do see her body it's very you know it's twisted she falls off a cliff. So it's, it's all twisted. crumpled yeah it's crumpled. like there is something like surprisingly effective about that um so now should we address the other big um uh, i don't want to say controversy but oh point of uh, complication involving this movie and what had happened two years earlier? Um, if you want to. I, it's, I mean, it, it's it's a tricky thing because, I mean, obviously Roman Polanski is a is a controversial dude. Yes, he is. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to say anything about his, you know, um, his crimes because mm-hmm. they are terrible and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, you know, we are talking about this just as a movie and not necessarily considering, you know, him as a as a criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's almost impossible to ignore the fact that he made a very uh, graphic version of Macbeth that does not shy away from violence that it that most adaptations do shy away from. Two years after the Manson murders, mm-hmm. uh, it's. You know, it's it's a point that's been talked about. I mean, if you start researching this movie, you instantly get a lot of discussion about that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's kind of hard to ignore. 
1968 or 69, Roman Polanski's very pregnant wife um, was, you know, essentially home invasioned um, and murdered by Charles Manson's followers. And what for? I know on Polanski's end, he had been working on some other movie. Um, stopped working on that one. This was his first project after that. <laughs> now, the story of Macbeth has, you know, there is child killing in this in the story. Um, some adaptations don't show it. You certainly don't have to show it. You don't have to reference it. Um, this one does more graphically than maybe any other. Mm-hmm. I was actually kind of surprised. Yeah. I mean, the, this is, it's a home invasion scene. It is Lady Macduff at home with her son. Everything's fine. And all of a sudden there's a bunch of really scary dudes walking in her door, kind of playfully, you know, knocking things over and about to do very bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, from an interview I read, apparently like that for him was based on, because the other thing about Polanski was he survived the Holocaust. Uh, and that, like, he kind of based that moment on being a kid when SS officers came into his house and di- didn't do that whole thing. But That might like, might be the worst thing I've ever heard. Isn't it? Yeah. Like, basically that SS officers walked in and kind of walked around and just, you know, shook their weight around. And that's what that scene is based on. Which is horrifying, you know. Um, and, I mean, that scene is, is positively horrifying. Even with the line that I still remember reading in high school and everybody making fun of, which is, He hath killed me, mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's bad because it's a kid who's been stabbed, but same time when you read that line and you're seventeen. No, really I bad. think I laughed at it like when I was actually like in the in the pl- not in the play, but like when I was watching it live in front of me. I <laughs> oh, might have I might have elbowed the person next to me and she clearly <laughs> didn't think it was funny. <laughs> now how did by the way, how did that this production uh deal with that scene? That scene? Okay. That scene is um the boy who was not that little in the version that I saw. There were two boys playing him. Um, we got the older boy. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just put that. I just put that out there. Um, so he wasn't that young. He okay. was probably like sixteen. Okay. <clears throat> and the wife was there, and she was violently strangled okay. while the kid hid in like a cabinet. Because, like I said, it was very minimalist and stark, and there was, like, two pieces of furniture that they rotated and used for everything. So she got strangled on top of, like, this, like, little cabinet, rolly cabinet thing, mm-hmm. and he was in the cabinet, like, Jurassic Park style. Yeah. So she gets violently strangled, and I guess right after she, like, like dies, like, her death throes, um, he, he makes, like, a noise, like a, oh, oh noise. Like a squeak in, in Kill Bill? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and he gets stabbed through the Ooh, cabinet. Okay. Like, so you never see the body right. in, or anything. See, yeah. yeah, the magician's yeah. trick. Yes. Okay, interesting. Um, allow me to read a quote from Roman Polanski. Uh, this is from censusofcinema.com. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Most American critics assume that I'd use the film for some cathartic purposes. In fact, I'd chosen to make Macbeth because I thought that Shakespeare, at least, would preserve my motives from suspicion. After the Manson murders, it was clear that whatever kind of film I'd come out with next would have been treated in the same way. If I made a comedy, the charge would have been one of callousness. Which I think is a very, um, you know, definitely kind of answers probably the question that he was asked every time after, you know, having to give an interview about this film. 
which is like, why would you make a bloody version of Macbeth after this terrible thing happened because, to your family? Because they would basically ask, why would you make a dot, dot, dot? Yeah, about why would you make uh, another Rosemary's Baby if, you know, um, Satanists were influenced by your first movie? Or why would you make a comedy if, you know, isn't that, you know, are, are you feeling lighthearted now? And so it's, you know, it's almost interesting that he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to make a movie that is, you know, that as much as he, you know, has probably had to say, like, it's not personal. You can kind of see a lot of demons being released in this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is certainly a source for papers. I'm sure many a uh, film student has written essays on that specific point. Um, and, it, you know, it, it kind of... Um, it weights the film, I think. And in, a, in an important way, and I think in a um, deep way, you know, I think without that backstory it is still a fantastic adaptation of Macbeth and does accomplish all the same things that it it does regardless Mm -hmm. I think with the added weight of you know maybe why it was made or what the inspiration it it adds you know kind of a darkness to it that to me does kind of deepen the impact of it Mm -hmm. yeah all right. Do we have other points? Let me I'm trying to think. I think that's really interesting, though, about the... Like, I never would have thought the whole... Like, of course, no matter what he's going to do, yeah. people are going to be like, well, why did you do this? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if he, if, he, if he made, like, an animated film, mm-hmm. people would be like, well, don't you think, you know... Yeah, if he made a romantic movie, if he made just, you know, a love story, it would have been, oh, is this a tribute to your wife, you know? Yeah, it would have, no matter what, it would have been spun, yeah, so why not? He basically confronted it as head-on as he could in terms of a movie. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, I dare you to ask me if the scene where a woman and her child are brutally killed has anything to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, you know, it's, it's kind of ballsy in a way when you, yeah. when you think about it. Hmm, very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right, my only other notes, I have woohoo medieval dancing with an exclamation point. Yeah, I liked it too. It wasn't too long. Yeah, I always enjoy medieval dancing. You know, that's that's the thing. Nothing nothing in here that might have I feel like you this would be like a really good thing to show somebody. Yeah. That was like, I don't like Shakespeare. I don't like period. I, mean, movies. I think it would be a very good um, movie to show high school kids. I like, do too. When when you're in high school and you have to read, you know, Macbeth. I bet most don't show this movie because it's rated R. Because, um, but like you said, the nudity is super not sexy. Oh, it's so not, and it's not. I mean, oh god, there's so much worse out there. Um, but I mean, I think this would be an excellent adaptation to show somebody reading it, not quite getting it. Yeah. Because it's again, it's very close. It's not taking liberties, but it's really showing you, I think, what you can do with Shakespeare. And kind of how even when you're following, you know, because it, it's one thing to do, you know, I don't know, a, a Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet and be like, oh, look at it, you know, how he was able to make it speak to a different generation by setting it in modern times and having modern music. Mm. But it's another thing to just film it as it, it essentially is written, set when it's when it's set and to still come out with something that's really effective. I, I mean, you could say the same for the other Romeo and Juliet, which is you know, as close to if Shakespeare were to make a film version of it as he could. Mm-hmm. And it's still, it's a really effective film because it kind of shows how good and how lasting that material is. And I think it's the same case here. Um, I am, 
I think that this is the perfect melding of like a, I'm going to reinterpret interpret this. No, I'm going to do it exactly the way it was originally. Because, I mean, first of all, they were all designed for the stage, obviously. Right. So, so to some extent, to take a few liberties is probably, mm, yeah, you, it's probably a good idea. So, and not I re- only was it designed for stage, but it is, especially in the case of Macbeth, most of them were also written to please royalty. Yeah. And Macbeth very much was because James I was Scottish and really liked the occult and was, like, obsessed with this kind of stuff. So Shakespeare was like, I'm going to write a play for you. So I can't, I don't know, again, showing my hand, but I, this is, like, best case scenario. Yeah, I agree. And it has a kick-ass beheading with a head on a stick. Yeah. Like, I get a pretty just beheading. FYI, I get a beheading, too, in the performance I saw. Ooh. But it was... It was clearly just like a dummy head because they kept holding it like faced the wrong Did way. Did they raffle off the dummy head every night? No, it's probably the same dummy head. Because you know how like if you've ever, like you know have ever been to like Broadway when they're doing the fundraisers at the end of the show they always come out and they're like hey we're doing a fundraiser for Broadway Cares Broadway fights AIDS so um, you know please donate and, and like our bonus if somebody wants to donate a lot of money they can get a walk on role in a Broadway show or they can get a dance lesson with Hugh Jackman. It's basically like you're speaking a different... You're basically speaking a different language to me right now. I have no idea what this is. Did you say you could make out with Hugh Jackman? Yeah, I think I said you could get a, a, dance, a dance lesson from Oh, clearly, clearly I, I heard what I want to hear. I would probably get a lot of... I mean, I don't think I could afford it, so... Yeah. <laughs> I would lend you some money. My point being, they should do a fundraiser where they auction off the dummy head of James McAvoy every night. But, but my point is, it wasn't his dummy head. It was That's just an mom. arbitrary dummy head. Oh. Yes, it was, because they wouldn't show it to the audience. Mm. But was the theater in such a way... Like, usually there's always corner seats that are going to see things, so... But they were holding... He was, the, it was being held close to a body, so you couldn't see the other side of it. It might not have even had a face. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to know this now. <laughs> so the point being... This movie has a great beheading, and then the head's on a pike, and the pike's put up really high, and a character takes the crown off the beheaded head and puts it on another character. I really wish you would have synopsized the whole movie like that. (laughs) And then, at the end, Don Bane goes to see the witches, and it's like a cycle. It would have been a five-hour podcast, because you would have seen every beat. Yes. Yeah, it's a pretty long movie. It didn't feel long. It didn't feel long. It didn't feel long, yeah. Yeah. Especially for a Shakespeare film, it does not feel long. It's like 2.20, I think. Something like that. Two and a half. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, which isn't unreasonable. It's about as long as you would expect this movie. It was Casey. Yeah. And I don't mean from Dawson's Creek, friends. <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. but I I'm glad you did. I found my audience. All right. So why don't we rate this movie? Okay. <clears throat> Shall I go first? I suppose you should. Um, what am I doing first? Quality of film? Quality of film. Fucking 8.5, man. Yeah. I'm gonna go 8.75. What? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, again, like, I can't quite give it a 9, because nine's a different world, but I, I know. this is as good a Macbeth as you can make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, quality of life, I'm gonna do 8. Mm-hmm. Just because if I go any higher, it would indicate frequent rewatches, and I don't think that I would rewatch this anytime soon. Maybe I'm just on Macbeth Overload. <laughs> but, yeah. I had a lot of it. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go um, 8.25 for me for quality of life improved mm-hmm. by this movie. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely, obviously, a big recommend from both of us. Uh, only available as a oh, this was pissy. What? Now, um, because I had it at the top of my Netflix queue, and it wasn't a long wait. But oh, they yeah. Sent it, they sent the next movie, and then they sent Macbeth, but I didn't know they'd sent Macbeth, so I watched it on Amazon Instant Watch on my iPhone primarily, which is not the best way to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my movie arrived yesterday, so I'm like, well, let me at least see if there are special features on the disc. No. There's That's not. kind of... I didn't check. I, yeah. We'll see, this is what happened. This is what happened to Maybe me. Selection. The reason why I watched Scotland PA so late at night was because I had to have it in the mailbox the next morning mm-hmm. to get this movie. So I put it... So I watched it after a 12-hour day at work. And I had to be back at work the next morning. So I watched it, tired, really, really not the best situation to be watching it in. Mm-hmm. Put it in the mail the next day. I was supposed to have it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. At, like, it, at, like, the way it usually rolls, it was, should have been Saturday. Yep. I got the email saying that they received Scotland PA. And I was like, all right, Saturday, it'll be here. Awesome. And then it wasn't here. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? So I watched it. Like right before we recorded, because I I just got it last night, yeah. so I was I was kind of pissed. Yeah, I don't know. No, something was maybe something was up with Netflix this week. Well, if if maybe it wasn't just us, maybe they were having like weird shit go down. I don't know. I don't know. What a what a shame! But it all worked out. It in the did, end. and we recommend this movie. Uh, yeah, please. Um, so now we're gonna give some instant recommendations, and then we're gonna tell you what you're doing next week. Or what next time? What we're doing or what they're doing? I meant we. What are you doing next week, guys? What am I doing next week? Oh, yeah, I got stuff. Uh, with, with just us, check your calendar. Just remembering my plans and got excited. Oh. Oh. Um, instant recommendation. Yes, me or you? No, let's just say you. Okay, my instant recommend is um going to be 2005's Broken Flowers. Oh. Um. Yeah, Bill Murray starring, um, Jim Jarmusch, Jarmusch, <laughs> I'm the worst. There's some cool women in that movie, aren't there? Um, oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Well, I'm doing that thing I do, and I feel like this is such a good way to see movies you wouldn't necessarily see, where I pick somebody and I just watch all their movies. So my okay. my latest is, is Tilda Swinton. Oh yeah. So Tilda's in this. Um, Sharon Stone is in this. Um, who else is in it? Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't think of fucking... Is it Frances Conroy from Six Feet Under? Oh, yeah, she's in it. Okay. She's totally in it. Okay. Um, Julie Delphi is in it. Uh. Right? Somebody else is in it, and I can't find their name, and I can't think of who it is. That one woman. Tilda, so. Oh, no, Tilda's in it. What is her name? Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange. Oh, oh, okay. I couldn't think of her name. Why did I, like, I just literally spasmed when I thought of her name. (laughs) Jessica Lange is amazing. But yeah, the whole thing, this is so good. And this is only, I'm ashamed, but it's probably the second movie, Jim Jarmusch movie, I've ever seen. Oh, I don't think I've seen any of his. I've seen Coffee and Cigarettes. I know I've seen that, and Uh, I enjoy it. Did he do, like, one sort of mainstream movie that I feel like I might have seen? What was it? Ghost Dog? That's what I'm thinking of, and no, I haven't. Yeah, seen I still haven't seen Ghost Dog. I yeah. should watch it. But. I have. I haven't seen any of his movies. I don't think. Uh, I should watch Broken Flowers. Oh, it's yeah. like it's so good. You would really, really like it. I think. Okay. Um, it's really deliberate, and it's really like a f- like it's moving and shit. Ugh, 
it's just really good. It's it's ugh. like it's it's like it's really like, good. It disgusts me. Ugh. No, like it's like painful. It's really emotional. I liked it a lot. <laughs> you would. I know. All right. Uh, my instant recommend um, a movie from I think 2010. Uh, I'm gonna go with a movie that I really enjoyed, even though I don't think I actually understood anything that was happening in it. And Ooh. that would be Margin Call. Margin. Margin Call. It is now on. Instagram. Wait, wait. It's is with, Zachary um, Quinto. Yes. Kevin Spacey. And Kevin Spacey. And I watched that Jamie on Instant Watch. And Jeremy Irons. And um, the the Gossip Girl, Dan Humphrey. Talk about, um, like, really solid cast. Such a good cast. Such a ridiculous cast. Cause, like, I liked that movie a lot. Yeah. I, I watched it because I, I think I was intrigued because I thought it was finally going to explain the financial crisis to me. Um, <laughs> I don't think it does. Or I'm just not smart enough and didn't really. No, I don't think it does. Okay, good. Um, but it is so entertaining because it feels like a thriller, even though it's not. It's just all talking, and it's all in this office building, so it's very blue-hued, and just the look of the film, um, the dialogue, it's just a really well-made film. I'm uh, glad you liked it. I liked it a lot, too, and I, I thought, like, really enjoyed there was it. something I, wrong with me because no one else seemed to be talking about it. Because it was so not my kind of movie. Like, it's, like, I don't seek out those kinds of, like, talky thriller movies mm, i do yeah i don't but um i, for, I really forgot really entertained me who else was in it um uh stanley tucci is in it stanley tucci is in it yeah and um paul bettany and i that's the yeah. thing i was like yeah paul oh, bettany's every, really, oh yeah everybody's so good in it I'm like paul bettany's really good in it i'm like paul bettany's good in everything except that one movie where he's an angel because nobody's good in that nobody movie. Nobody is good in that movie. You know what? That movie, that movie is called Legion, and I'm I forgot. I'm tell you what's good in that movie. The trailer is good in that oh, movie. Yeah. That is one of the best trailers for a horror movie I have ever seen, and that is one of the most disappointing movies I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. It is so... And don't go... People, you know that you're like, oh, but it's bad. It sounds like it'd be fun. No, no. don't make the mistake I did. It is boring and moody and has, like, one good scene where... Rock gets like, is it Rock? Yeah, don't yeah, let's please not like bring up Charles S. Dutton's yeah, untimely cool. death and everything. Well, I mean, his death scene is pretty cool though. Um, it is, it is, but still, yeah, but no, no, do not do it, people, do not be fooled. And then, when what was that other movie that came out that um, they did another, the same filmmaker did another movie, was it Priest? Yeah, with Paul Bettany, yeah, and it looked like the exact same thing. And people were describing it. They're like, well, you know, Legion had promise. I'm like, no, it didn't. The trailer had promise. And everything I heard about Priest was like, oh, it was kind of like Legion, but it wasn't as good. Like, what? what? So, was it rollerball? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, everybody, if you want to see, like, this is the thing. I think I read an interview with Paul Bettany once because he also did a movie called Creation where he was Charles Darwin. Do you know this movie? Conley. I didn't see it, but I remember it. Um, like, he does, like, good movies. I'm not, that's so awful. He does movies that give him money so he can go do movies that are cool, Which is that he likes. Which is fine and respectable. It's worked for Steven Soderbergh. You know, that's fine. I have, I have so many issues with Soderbergh lately. We won't talk about it. Okay. But, but I respect that idea of like, I'm oh, yeah, yeah. video film and then I'm going to, you know, do the indie film that I really want to do. But I think, I think Paul Bettany. Perfectly, perfectly acceptable. He has all the money now because he's um, the the he's Jarvis and the Iron yeah, Man movies. So yeah. right, they have to pay him like a decent amount just to like do a voice. I, think. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. 
Paul Bettany, if you're listening, (laughs) I hope that they give you a lot of money for that. (laughs) At one point, he was supposed to play the Joker in uh, Nolan. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. And I was really excited by that. I'm like, he would be a great Joker. I think he would. But now, I mean, no one... Well, yeah, it's, it's like now it's like, oh, now I could never talk about how I would have been a great Joker. either. Yeah, exactly. You can't. It's that. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so next time when next week <gasps> we meet. Are you sure about this? Be, I'm thinking um, not next week, week after, hopefully. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, based on some Facebook feedback. Oh, my God. Just think about this before you do it. Do you realize what you're getting us into? Okay, yeah, do it. Deep side. Do it. Do it. Okay, so it started with... um, It started a long time ago, Emily. It started a very long time ago. Christine and I have had a lot of discussions about this movie, some of which you have heard on the show, others of which have been done on Facebook, and some of which have been done in person or private. Yes. Um, (laughs) I have an extremely complicated relationship with this movie. Christine's relationship is complicated in the sense that it competes with James McAvoy and Dylan for her heart. I don't think there's really a competition. It just has it. Right. Um, the movie in question, in case you had not figured it out, would be um, a little based on graphic novel picture from a few years back called Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Versus the world. I mean, if you want to get technical, Scott I mean, Pilgrim you have versus to get the world. Whatever. Yes, we're going to cover Scott Pilgrim versus the world, and it is going to quickly devolve into me quoting. Um, me cutting you off to tell you what I liked about a thing, mm-hmm. um, me telling you what's different in the books. So you brought this and, upon yourself. And <laughs> in the meantime, little Emily here is going to learn how to edit so that she can just mute Christine or dub her over with other things about the movie. Aww. Now, in fairness, I watched the movie once um, a couple yeah. years, whenever it came to video. I like rented it right when it got to Netflix, which was probably now about was- a year and a half. No, wasn't that, didn't that movie come out in 2010? I don't know. I'm old. I don't pay attention to years anymore. 2010. Hold on. So it, it probably... See? Nailed it, this girl. But when did it actually hit uh, DVD? Maybe well, it came out in the summer, so it would have had to... two years. Sorry. <laughs> so two years ago, Some I this movie people. and had very definite opinions on it. Some positive and some very negative. Um, and I have since enjoyed meeting people such as Rick from the Gentleman's Guide, um, who have said, who have agreed with me on certain points. Yeah. And I've met people such as Will from the Gentleman's Guide <laughs> who agreed with me on certain right. things. So the question, it will be a matter of returning to a movie, um, and seeing if my opinions on it have changed as I've gotten older and presumably maybe wiser. Like I literally can't wipe the smile off my face right now. <laughs> And I, I literally can't wipe the, um, I don't know how to describe the expression, but it's a smile. It's a suspicion. A sneer? Smirk, if you will. It's not quite as aggressive as a sneer. It's kind of like a, uh, if, if you, okay, listen to the sound I'm making. Uh, and then imagine what my face is doing right there. That's what I've got right now. You got it? Okay. Uh, okay. Right. Um, now, what do we pair a movie like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World with? Well, how about another movie that involves video games that, for whatever reason, keeps coming up on our Facebook page? <laughs> and that would be 1989. I don't know. Is it 89? Starring one of my very first crushes. No. Oh, my God. Who didn't have a crush on him? Me. What? Oh, my God. Sorry. Do you know that this is directed by Todd Holland? 
Oh my fucking god, is it? Yes! Alright, well, That's there we go. Me. I didn't know. What? I, I am just... I'm I had no idea. I didn't either. Um... Uh, okay, so... Ooh, wait, derailed. Wait, wait. That derailed you. It did, because I'm suddenly realizing Todd Holland isn't Tom Holland. Oh. No, this is Todd Holland. Maybe he's Tom Holland's brother. He is not the same guy that directed Child's Play. My mistake. Oh. I got really excited. This guy directed... I um, get confused. How did I not this know this? This Firehouse Dog, which is a movie that I have that stars PETA from oh, Game of God. Thrones. Oh, uh, anyway, neat. point being, we are yeah. going to cover 1989's The Wizard. Also starring Jenny Lewis. Yes. Um, and Bill Bridges, apparently. Yeah. And Christian Slater. Have, when was the last time you watched that? Uh, in probably 1990, 1991. Okay, I saw it recently. Really? <laughs> so, I have for the first time. It, no, I have not seen it since it probably was on video cassette. I saw, saw it recently for the first time maybe like three years ago. Okay. Yeah, so. I remember, all I remember is a lot of Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, wait, I shouldn't have let you guys know. <laughs> I don't what know if I like you? it anymore. Uh, well, I mean, I'm very curious to see how this holds up for me, who has not seen it in almost 20-something years. Hmm. 23 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. So we'll see. Um, so that will probably be in about two weeks. So as always, stay up to date on the Facebook page. We'll let you know as we get closer to recording and when we actually record. Uh, you can also tweet us. Yeah. Um, why do I always blank? No, I like to test you and make sure. Feminine podcast. Feminine podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and come to Facebook. Uh, just search for the Feminine Critique, and you'll find yeah. us there. Yep. Um, also, if you need to email us, and we need we need to remember to check the email. Yeah, if um, you email us and we actually check it, it would be. Um, is it the Feminine Critique the at Yahoo.com? Critique at Yahoo.com. Um, Parasinema.net. Yes. Go there. Get yourself yes. an issue. Please. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to be on an episode of Night Living Podcast this weekend. <gasps> Exciting. Do you, do you know what you're talking about? Can you tell me, us, the yeah, listeners? I'll tell you because by the time I actually edit this, um, I, I, who knows when that will happen. Um, we're going to cover a movie that's going to make me giggle a lot. Um, it, it also stars Penn Bagley, a.k.a. Dan Humphrey from Gossip Girl. Uh-huh. And also um, the roommate slash uh, Blair Waldorf. From Gossip Girl, Leighton Meester. I hate Leighton Meester. <laughs> no, you hate Leighton. Only because I dragged these roommates. No, you don't. I don't hate Leighton Meester. I don't like Blake Lively. That's what uh, it is. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree with that. Uh, we are gonna. I believe we're gonna cover um, a, a horror movie from a couple of years ago called Drive Through, which is one of the weirdest modern slashers I've ever seen. Hmm, and Jan, sounds... from, Jan from The Office is also in it. Oh, all right, I'd watch that. Yeah, that sounds good. It's really weird, um, and it would fit into the fast food theme of the week. Hmm. Hmm. You know, it's hmm. not on PA, you know. Yeah. Throw in some compliance and you got a nice hey, round. Hey, hey. That's cool. yeah. I still have to see that. It's on instant, too. Yeah, you should. I think it was my instant recommend. You should watch yep. it. Yeah, I remember. All right, folks. So that is our show. We are yep. going to go. Uh, I am going to drink more water so that I um, recover from being dehydrated from allergies. I'm, I'm going to do that, too. <laughs> Wonderful. That's so much common. <laughs> we do. All right, folks, uh, until next we meet, do not go listening to witches. I, only bad can come from that. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Well, we know who thought that was a good idea, Christine. <laughs> and they ended up with their heads on pikes.
<laughs> I thought you were talking about William Shakespeare. <laughs> I was like, did he? I didn't know that's how that ended. Oh, yeah, there was that movie that they made, that Roland Emmerich made, about the like what really happened to Shakespeare, I think. Yeah, I think Show Show covered it. They did. They really didn't like it. But that yeah. was that. All right. Oh, let's go right. listen to Show Show, because why not? And all of our other friends. Yeah. We have a whole lot of great podcasting friends. They're great. If I start listing them, I'll forget people, and then I'll feel bad. And then it'll be terrible, so we're not going to. So we're not. No. All right. On that oh. note, <clears throat> death out. Bye. <laughs> hey, by the way, you guys had Mandy Moore in here. She is an angel of all angels. I don't know if you guys saw American Dreams that her and I did together, uh, where I too sing, hopefully better here than I did there. That was acting. This may be slight singing, but she is just a dream come true. You should hire her on the spot. She's amazing. Anyway, that's my own personal I love Mandy Moore scenario. Let's go, shall we, before I embarrass myself further. All right, here we go. I wasn't jealous before we met Now every man that I see is a potential threat And I'm possessive, it isn't nice You heard me saying that smoking was my only vice But now it isn't true Now everything is new and all I've learned has overturned, I beg of you, don't go wasting your emotion, lay all your love on me. It was like shooting a sitting duck, a little small tuck, a smile and baby. I was stuck I still don't know what you've done with me A grown-up woman should never fall so easily I feel a kind of fear When I don't have you near Unsatisfied, I skip my pride I beg you, dear Having fun? I've been hearing all about Donna and the Dynamos, the world tour. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Sky and Sophie world tour is going to be so tame in comparison. The uh, what? When we get off this island and get out there. What? You, you'd never leave me, would you? Are you kidding? Sophie, you've turned my world upside down. I wasn't jealous before we met.
advice But now it isn't true Now everything is new And all I've learned is overturned I beg of you 